from the Georgia Dome in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, the WWE presents WrestleMania 27. Featuring the very best from Raw and SmackDown. And now, here he is, your host. The Jabroni beating La 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 Fighting The People's Champion Trailblazing Eyebrow raising Supernova of Entertainment The Great One has many nicknames The most electrifying man in showbiz today He's The Rock Okay, so next up, guess who we've got? It's The yes. Rock, again, backstage. Oh. Um, this time at least with Gene Oakland, so that's nice. Rock says he's heard Cena's number one fan, and he wants to speak to him. It turns out that number one fan of Cena is Pee Wee Herman. He tells Pee Wee that he has to decide whether he's going to be on Team Bring It, or the Fruity Loop Troop, or Fruit Loop Troop, I should say. Oakland then models the Cena gear that Cena wears to show Pee Wee what he'll look like. The Rock then tells him if he wants to be put on Team Bring It, he god i'm sorry my writing is so atrocious i think i was falling asleep during this to be honest mate your writing might be atrocious but it's no worse than this segment so he says yeah if you want to be on team bring it he knows what he has to do and he says if you smell what the pee is cooking again (laughs) the rock is barney the dinosaur like what is this fucking shite like he's absolutely the best bit is gene oakland and that's because he didn't do much and he literally walks in with cena's gear on and that's it but that even then i was like oh gene deserves better than that he deserves <laughs> better than this like come on come on make, have, him, have him making some joke about a hard dick or something do you know what i mean that's that's what he's in, that's what he's into isn't he he, he loves a little bit of smart humor apparently old mean gene and i was just like Wee Herman, like I don't, I mean I don't, I don't really know who he is to be perfectly honest. I know his name obviously, but again, wasn't he like a big star in like the eighties or some shit? Like, why are you bringing him out? Fucking hell, bring out Napoleon Dynamite or someone who would have been around at that time, surely. Like, do something like that, like fucking Wee Herman. Fuck off. I really wish we could just rewind time just so I could hear Ben recap that again, just so I can see. That soul-destroying look in his eye as he said, Pee-wee Herman. That was great. May, uh, by the way, may he rest in peace. Yeah, just recently passed away, didn't he? Yeah. As we record this. Um, so obviously that, that yeah, no, nothing is Pee-wee Herman, but The Rock should not be associating himself in this way with that kind of a, well, a celebrity. So what, he, what he done for like wanking off in a theatre or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there was something like that. Hey, this is my this is my wheelhouse. Let me let me have a look into this. There's nothing on his Wikipedia page. So if that's what you're gonna do to look at look into this, give up because there's nothing on there. Pee Wee Herman wanking. <laughs> Careful me. <laughs> Who knows what might come up if you search for that? Yeah, twenty five years ago, this is this is from two thousand and sixteen, so it's quite a while ago. Pee Wee Herman masturbated in a Florida porno theatre. Well, I guess that's what you're supposed to do there, I, I imagine. According to a Sarasota County Sheriff's Office report, a detective watched as Ruben Ruben's exposed penis with left hand began to masturbate at eight thirty five PM and then again ten minutes later. <laughs> this guy had a stopwatch. He's like, Okay, okay, let's just stop now. Stop. I'm going to see when he does it again. Starts clicking. 
Imagine if you went into the police force and they were like, you are feeling that Pee Wee Herman might be wanking in, in theatres. We're going to put you on assignment. <laughs> That's where you go. It's like, fucking hell, I thought I was going to be like Miami Vice or some shit. And he's like, no, watch Pee Wee Herman tug it and time it. Fucking hell, I thought I was going to be on Miami Vice or some shit. It's probably the words The Rock said after they gave him the script for this fucking show. Because they'd have been like, I've got to work with Pee Wee Herman, Mae Young, Eve Torres, who no one cares about clearly because she ain't even on the show and she's the divas champion. Oh, I'll go out and do basically the kind of thing you'd see on a student night with Jason Donovan at the start of the fucking show. <laughs> like he's just absolutely atrocious. Like the stuff yeah. he's given and the stuff he does, yeah. awful. And welcome to the Random Wrestling Review, the wrestling podcast that claims to be random, but isn't really random given that for the last, I don't know how long now, we've been doing every single WrestleMania in order. But I guess in terms of being random, the fact that now we are doing something completely unrandom suggests that we are even this is a little bit random for us. Now, if you've heard of me saying the word random, uh, I apologise, and that should be the last time. So what I'll do now is introduce you to the people who are joining me today. First of all, we've got the polar bear, Matt Roberts. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good, gentlemen. How are we doing today? We ready to roll? We're ready to roll. We're not that ready because, as you can tell from my intro, I have nothing prepared. So I literally just spit something out. It the was last very minute, random. Th- there you go then. Now you've said the word, and <laughs> I'm not to blame. And we also have back for a second time in two episodes, Tom Smith. Tom, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm feeling random today. I don't know about you boys. But <laughs> I do, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little random story. My mate told me a rather entertaining story about how he uh, accidentally came in his own face once, which was quite <laughs> funny. That is very random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give um, Tinky, you unfortunately, you don't know this chap, uh, Matt, but I'll give Tinky one guess as to who that person is. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> who you think it is is who it is. <laughs> is it is Mark? Yeah, <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> he, he said, he go downstairs and his missus was like, why is your eye all red? <laughs> was, oh. <laughs> there you go. There's a little bit of a random intro for you. Of course, Tom, this is your penance. So, um, Bond Tyro... I, I put in the full schedule of episodes and who was going to be on all of them. And then old man, I don't know, like six months ago, said, oh, I'd like to be on the WrestleMania 25 episode. This is before he decided he was going to come back on a, on a regular basis. So I had to reschedule everything. But in order to do that, Tom had to switch one of his episodes to make sure mm. I could get both of them on WrestleMania 25. And his penance for that is that he had to end up doing WrestleMania 27, which he originally wasn't going to be doing. So that's why he's on two episodes in a row. Yeah, exactly. And will that penance have been worth it? I guess we'll find out at the end of this episode, won't we? I guess we will. Yes, we will. WrestleMania 27. Already Matt's casting aspersions on the quality of the show we're about to to look at. (laughs) Expectations then. I guess we're already into it. Matt, what were your expectations for this show? Again, it's one of those that I remember the show. I I thought I remember it very well. But as it turns out, not so much. It it was definitely, for me as a fan... This was a very important show for me, actually. Everybody's at that point, you know, where, you know, at some point watching wrestling, they just thought, you know what, enough. It's not doing it for me anymore. And honestly, this was the closest I've ever come to not following it anymore. And if if it wasn't for one person, that would be The Rock. If it wasn't for The Rock coming back on this show, I wouldn't have watched it. And I potentially would have been done. So this was a very, very interesting show. And like I said, turning point for me. So you didn't actually get to the point where you stopped, but you almost did, is what you're saying. 
it literally before like i was i was bored i had enough and then the rock came back and i was like right okay i'll stick around for a little bit longer just to see what's happening and then then you know the rest is history i've never left but yeah, this was pro- the last year of this, you know, of WWE was, I'd say, probably the most trying I'd ever seen it. And this made you keep watching it? <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the Rocks... Don't give away inter- things about your opinion on this show yet. <laughs> <laughs> and just the, the the interest in The Rocks comeback made me right. continue to watch, put it that way. So I, I, was, I, I was intrigued by that. So, uh, Ma- uh, Tom, what was your expectation? Ugh, ugh, really shit. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> so I remember, I watched this. I remember watching this live in my parents' conservatory. I can't remember if you were there, Tinky. You may have been. I think it was old man was definitely there for a bit of it. I think he had like a. I think he had like a meltdown or something like that. It ended up leaving before the main event. He was like, he was like, I think he was quite drunk. I think he just finished working a whole day at the restaurant and was like, oh no, I can't. I've just got to go home. I can't watch this anymore. And I was just, I was not looking forward to this at all. I can remember two matches from it. And basically, yeah, I, I basically wasn't looking forward to it because I can remember this being absolute toilet. And I had a, a Friday night was when I'd earmarked to watch it. And the closer I got to Friday, <laughs> my wife was out, so I was on I was on daddy duty. So I was like, I'll put the, put the baby to bed and then I'll watch, and I'll watch this. And then the closer I got to Friday night, I was beginning to resent watching, <laughs> spending my Friday night to myself watching WrestleMania 27. And it took all my willpower to stick to a regimented schedule where I knew that I would have certain amount of periods of time to watch it because otherwise I would have left it until like four o'clock this morning. <laughs> so, so that was my, my expectation going was it's going to be very very poor from my perspective i was expecting this to be really shit i can't remember if we watched it together tom i but i do recognize or seem to remember that behavior from old man so maybe i was there this would have been i think it was this one this would have been the year after we moved out of uh, coronation road yeah i assume and so you'd have been back at your parents briefly and i was where i was living with my now wife and I don't, I certainly wouldn't have had you around to our house then because it was tiny, was not big enough to have a party of people in. So I guess it would be, yeah, I guess we would have had to go around to yours to see it. And I saw it live. I remember seeing it live and finding it to be utter shit. <laughs> so, but by saying that, I do think the chances of me finding something utter shit when I watch it live are higher if I watch it with you, old man and someone else and we're drinking because they don't pay an awful lot of attention to it. <laughs> and we tend to get very kind of like, oh, this is fucking shit. It was much better when Bret Hart was around in that kind of mindset. <laughs> Do you know what? You're not wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, you know, it's a bit different when we watched Money in the Bank recently together because that was different. We weren't getting pissed and you had your young... Uh, nephew there but yeah when the, all of us are together and we're getting pissed it's it's not it doesn't do well for the for the show you're watching no it doesn't but it does make it fun <laughs> i would have thought drinking would make this show better <laughs> well possibly possibly i mean to be as i say i didn't one of those things where i going in i was like well i remember this being shit but who knows maybe i was just we were just in that very kind of down on everything kind of attitude and like being like oh where's demolition <laughs> yeah exactly we're fucking fucking powers of pain we're slick <laughs> I can remember we, I'm so fucking glad this didn't happen what a sliding doors moment old man was like after WrestleMania 26 he was like I want to go I want to go next year as well and I was like I can't I just can't afford it you know what I mean I've spent too much money and then I think there was a brief moment where I think you Tinky 
uh, does you an old man we were contemplating going for a little bit and then it didn't happen and I bet you're so fucking glad <laughs> well hang on again once again you're giving away uh, your opinion on the, the pod and maybe I don't share that opinion so let's uh, let's not um, let's not make assumptions but there was a there was a brief moment yeah where me and old man were considering it and partially I remember the time put it this way I remember after we watched it for you know live I was probably feeling quite relieved but also kind of like well it probably wouldn't have mattered because The Rock was there so I would have at least got to yeah. The Rock and that would have yeah. probably made up for it so so talking points, uh, I'm going to start with Tom this week. Tom, what was your talking point? My talking point, <laughs> do I go snucky just to wind Matt up? Or do I get, no, <laughs> do you know what I'm going to get? My, my talking point is, is, is overall is I'm going to go with the commentary team. Okay. Or yeah. the commentary. And Michael, one Michael Tiberius Cole in particular. <laughs> now, the match started, the, the event started, I'm like, oh, that was Michael Cole. And then all of a sudden, he start, starts, like, waffling on. He does his, like, usual, like, entrance, welcome to WrestleMania, the grandest stage of them all, the blah, 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 the dog's bollocks, the anti's teapot, all of these expressions that people come out with. The, the anti's teapot? Yep. You know, that, you know, that famous well-trodden expression. anti's <laughs> um, teapot of WrestleMania. What the ex- fuck is that? Exactly. Well, I don't know. But it turns out, that I remembered, he kind of starts talking. I'm like, oh, God, this is heel Michael Cole, isn't it? This is heel Michael Cole as the lead commentator, and his buffer is Josh fucking Matthews, <laughs> who is is massively. You know, you got like Seth Rollins as your figure of hate. Mm. Mine's Josh Matthews. I think. Hang on, Seth Rollins is only my figure of hate for this year, though. Just, just too quick. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, in which case, in which case, this year is it's Josh Matthews because I've seen him a few times in the WrestleManias that I've covered, and he is shit at his job he's absolutely all for it and then you've got fucking sad jerry lawler as well on the commentary like the worst incarnation of jerry lawler he's not massively pervy which is quite good and but there's a couple of bits which you will have to come to oh, there were some things that he said throughout this show really so I, I haven't made notes so i'm flying by the seat of my pants a little bit he had a lot to say about vicky guerrero Oh yeah, that's they said something horrible about Vicky. Oh, but, yeah, did, yeah. but Michael Cole is so I'm watching it and I'm slowly, slowly getting more annoyed by him. And then the penny drops. And I'm like, this is kind of the point that Michael Cole's supposed to be annoying in this. And whilst I didn't enjoy his commentary, I admired him throughout the show from that point on. Because we've had this discussion about the boogeyman before. And I, we discussed it about <laughs> Santina Morella last week. Michael Cole, despite given an absolutely shit task, is all in on this role as the heel general manager. It's, it's not the heel general manager, but the heel com, color, com, the heel lead commentator. Which, let's be honest, doesn't work. Having a having that heel lead commentator does not work. So I don't think it's good. But I've got to give Michael Cole credit for going balls deep in it. I did pop when I saw him in the coal shaft, coal, or coal mine. Coal, the coal mine, because I thought that was really funny at the <laughs> time, because it was really stupid. But he, like, it is the, the concept of your main lead commentator being a heel, it just doesn't work in his shit. It, it's like he switches constantly between being the guy who, like, introduces the matches and then, and does, like, the, you know, the welcome to WrestleMania and does all the other kind of the links and the, the segues and stuff like that. But then immediately, just like, out of nowhere, just turns into an asshole again. And this is really just doesn't work. It does not make for like a, a smooth experience. And I guess we could kind of talk about the match that he's in. So it's obviously it's him with uh, Jack Swagger in the corner versus Jerry the King Lawler in one of the worst matches I've ever seen. 
It's truly abysmal. But because Michael Cole has been such a tit, the crowd are quite into it. I was really surprised at how into it the crowd were. But that's not the only thing that we get from this. We get Big JR on commentary getting absolutely chastised by Michael Cole as he's walking down whilst Vincent Mann is fucking backstage fucking loving it, having the time of his life. And I felt genuinely really, really bad for JR at that point. And then we get Booker T on commentary as well. And it's just, I was like, oh, this is awful this is fucking awful <laughs> like so shit it's, 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 it's post peak jr alongside booker t and josh matthews for this one <laughs> yeah i know and then you've got austin in the ring as the referee the only person who i at this stage would have been excited to see he uh austin's not not a very good referee his counting's not very good i will say that and but the the, the match kind of ends basically when uh jerry lawler pins michael cole which i was genuinely really shocked by because i could rem- I, I was really confused because i was like sure michael cole won this and i got completely sucked into it and i was like oh well that's a bit of a different ending than i remember and then we got that lovely familiar noise oh oh it's the <laughs> anonymous raw general manager which josh matthews the one good thing he's ever done is comes and reads it out in the exact same mannerisms that michael cole does almost as if the podium with the with the laptop on which holds the anonymous rule general manager um almost like possesses people <laughs> to just talk like weirdos and then announces that stone cold steve austin's got two involved in the match and then michael cole wins as he's being carried off and then booker t comes into the ring tries to have a beer with austin gets stunned and then uh, we get Cole and Lawler on commentary. I thought it was quite a clever way to get Jim Ross on commentary for the next match, which evidently Triple H and The Undertaker were like, we're going to have JR calling this match. So I thought it was quite a clever storyline way of getting, getting him on the match without it seeming too obvious. But yeah, this, this match is absolutely atrocious. And like I said, the whole heel lead commentator thing just doesn't work. And I'm glad that they haven't done it since. I fucking hope to God they don't. <laughs> the match lasts 14 minutes, by the way, as well. Just to, just to, just to kind of you know reassert the quality. Um, I'll give you my opinion on this because I, I didn't hate this match. I wanted to hate this match, but I didn't hate it. Technically, it was awful. Absolutely awful. But I've, I've been really kind of thinking about this, not specifically for this match, but thinking about this, the concept of a good match in general, since we had the conversation about Shawn Michaels and Kenny Omega, to be honest, it's been on my mind quite regularly and thinking about, you know, what makes a good match. And I think what I may be wrong, but I think what Stephen has pre- and what Dave Meltzer in particular judges as a great match is only taking into account athletic kind of display and technical quality and maybe a little bit of the story, the in-ring story as well. But I don't think he takes into account presence or character or, you know, other things that make a match great, you know, emotional investment being one of those things. And so, yes, technically, if you want to judge it on a technical perspective, yes, yeah, a fucking dud. It's an absolute dud. I mean, Michael Cole can't wrestle and nor should he be able to. He is a commentator, let's be clear. And Jerry Law is long, long past his prime. Fair enough. But. There is an investment in this match. The crowd do really get into it. And it is actually, from that perspective, it does its job. It's fun enough that because because people care. If they didn't care, yes, it would be absolutely ridiculous and terrible. But they do just enough to keep people with the match throughout the 14 minutes 
And, you know, I thought I thought it was just about passable when you consider all those things together. Yes, you can take the technical thing and go, yes, yeah, a dud. Add maybe the athleticism again, not really there. But the story I thought was crafted relatively well. Jerry Lawler still can do that, in my view. He can still, you know, still lead a match in terms of telling a story. And from the crowd investment, from a character perspective, Michael Cole cowered all the way through Jerry Lawler trying to kind of get his hands on him. I thought that was great, too. So I thought on balance. This was just about passable, but it really does depend what you're looking for. If all you're looking for is realism and technical ability that increases that realism, then yes, you're going to hate this match. And that's fair enough. But for me, it had other elements to it that made it just about passable on Michael Cole and the heel commentary thing. So I, I kind of do agree with you, Tom, in that if you're looking to piss everybody off with your role, which is exactly what they were looking to do, which is weird, then he is great, okay? Because he is absolutely, you know, properly hateable down to, in every way, including, you know, the way in which he read out the raw anonymous GM um, information, which, as I remember on Raw, wasn't always a heel-leaning thing. It was often kind of, it was kind of sometimes quite fair, but even Mike, but Michael Cole reading it out make it sound like heelish. And as I've said before about Michael Cole being a heel you know, lead commentator, it just undercut or just completely destroys the moral fiber or the moral compass, I should say, of the show. I remember going when we watched a show which had Gordon Soley on it and you and old man Tom were quite kind of um, critical of his lack of charisma. Mm. And I was saying to you that that was kind of like historically the purpose of that lead person was to be just a really straight man so that everybody else could play off them and be over you know larger than life and over the top and really stand out as charismatic and interesting and all the rest of it and michael cole takes that and just rips it up he, he kind of goes okay well I, you know and, and what that means is that as the straight man gordon Soli can play the moral compass he can entirely he's like the the baseline for all that is good so he can be like okay when the heel does something heelish i can call them out for it and the, the people watching will understand now that they're not that that's not right and then that means that anything they do from this point on they will dislike that person and this is the period where for me the epidemic of people cheering for heels and booing baby faces really kicked in and i blame WWE's decision to have a heel babyface commentator for that kicking off that combined with all the ch- turning heels and babyface all the time leads to people going well I might as well just choose who I want to, to cheer for because the minute you don't have that babyface lead commentator you're in a position where you can't ground people in what is good in what is right suddenly everything goes out the window and you're in a position where yeah, people just make up their own minds and go, yeah, well, I'll cheer this person, I'll cheer that person. There's loads of examples during the show where the yeah. baby faces, whoever the baby faces is getting booed. It was all it was all right. It was bearable when it was just Cena because, you know, I think there was a specific reason for that. But this is we're getting to the point now where all the fans are acting like they're too smart to be worked. And they, one, like they don't want to be worked and i'm like that's the opposite of the way i feel i want always to be worked so i will try and play along as much as i can there, and, there's a very specific match where the baby face is being booed and the heels being cheered they really really got my back up yeah and i and that does that happens a lot during this period and for for a long time i think it's a little better than it was to be honest now but i, I think it, it went through this period where it was just really really annoying and i do think that was partially down to michael cole's role on the show during this point and you're right tom he's annoying he's really really annoying and you're like 
that's fine, except he's going to be the person we're listening to for three hours every week mm. for however many hours on pay-per-view. And that is not good. How can that possibly be good for business? Really oddly, WWE, for about six, seven years, were trolling their own fan base, not just with this stuff, but they, they would do it all the time. Remember that time when Triple H was like talking about when he was in the authority and was going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go online and I'm going to complain about it. And I was like, you, what you sound like you're doing is daring your own fans to stop watching your product. Yeah. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, even if you are right in what you're saying and you're like and you can joke about this backstage, you do it in front of the crowd. People are going to go, yeah, that's just stupid. Why am I doing that? I'll just stop watching. I just found it. I just I just think you've got to be crazy to do this stuff. So this was the start of it for me, Michael Cole being here. And it just you're right. It doesn't work. It makes all the rest of the show much harder to to invest in. Thankfully, after this match, you're right. Jim Ross comes along. It's Jim and Jim Ross and Jerry Laura for the for the remainder, and Steve Austin helps with that by stunnering Booker T and Josh Matthews, which is uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about the Josh Matthews. I forgot how they got rid of him. Oh, Josh Matthews. So Matt, what did you think? If <laughs> as if I had to ask. Do you know what? I was in a fairly sort of zen, calm like state before we came on to to start doing this. And then you, you had to bring that up as, as one of the talking points, because I can tell you, while I was watching the show, it brought back WrestleMania 1 levels of anger. <laughs> um, and just, this just felt like a giant fuck you to the audience. And you know what? I know it wasn't, but it felt like one to me personally. <laughs> <laughs> if this was, somebody was just going, ha ha, let's waste Matthew's time and make him watch this pile of shit. You've said that before about shows that happen before you're even born. So on this occasion, it's more believable. <laughs> I think we were about two hours, maybe two hours, 20 minutes into the show at this point of, of a four hour show, which that on its own was pissing me off. I mean, I was like, come on, give me some. This is WrestleMania. Give me some really good wrestling. That's what I want. And then they trot out Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. Now, okay, let's try and find some positives in you somewhere, shall we? Jerry Lawler never had a WrestleMania match. This was the crumb of an offering to, you know, to give to him so they can go, good for you. You've wrestled at WrestleMania. That's as good as it gets. Again, where do you start? I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin was, was the special guest referee. What an absolute fucking titanic waste of Stone Cold and what he can do and what he can bring to the table. Just utter waste. Booker T coming out, you know, to, you know, doing commentary. I hate Booker T on commentary. Booker T shit at commentary. I mean, they had him out there. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm getting so bad. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm literally going red as I even speak. It's pissing me off that much. They had him out there just to do a spin-a-rooney. Who the hell gives a shit? I'm sorry. Who cares? Josh Matthews, who gives a shit? The, the quality of the... It wasn't even a match. Come on. It was just a giant angle. I mean, Cole was just... Okay, he's the heel, so in this scenario, he can be annoying. But, you know, as we've said, he was meant to be, you know, the, the main lead announcer for however long. And it was just so irritating. Jerry Lawler, you know, was just didn't get anything in forever. Took forever for him to actually get something going. It was just a shit match. The fact that they even had the brass balls to do the finish that they did, to have that stupid fucking laptop ding in and change the result fuck you wwe 
That is absolutely ridiculous. You give Jerry Lawler his crumb of, here you go, you can have a match at WrestleMania against Michael fucking Cole, and he can't even redeem himself by keeping the win. Get fucked. What I was just thinking whilst you were talking about an alternative here. So at the February pay-per-view, my memory is the Miz faces Jerry Lawler for the title. And I was just wondering whether or not they could have saved that for WrestleMania. And had John Cena do something else. I don't know what, because I was looking through the card and I was like, I'm not really sure what else he can do. Maybe The Undertaker and fuck, that, fuck that Triple H. That would great. You know, have John and have Jerry Lawler have his one match against The Miz at WrestleMania for the title. And people would have genuinely believed he could have won because it wasn't like when he did it in the February preview, it was like, he's obviously not going to win because The Miz has got to be in the main event against John Cena by this point because they're not going to have the Jer- Jerry Lawler against John Cena in the main event of WrestleMania. So... You know, for me, it would have meant it would have meant that it felt more likely that Jerry might actually win the title at WrestleMania, but also they could have freed up John Cena to do something else as well and saved us from Michael Cole. What I will say, regardless of your opinion of the match, this is probably one of the best built-up things on the show. By the way. <laughs> I remember going into this WrestleMania and thinking, what are they actually putting on here? Because it really feels like they've got nothing lined up for this show, and I think the fact that this is one of the most built-up things for the show is why they brought The Rock in. Because they thought, we've got fucking nothing. We've got absolutely yeah. nothing for this show. Just thinking about it, right? Genuinely, Jerry Lawler vs. The Miz, and then have John Cena obliterating Michael Cole in a match would have been so much better. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna, sure it would have sold any WrestleManias. That's the problem. I, do you know what? I, it'd be funny because I bet you Michael Cole would get more of a positive reaction than John Cena at this time. <laughs> but um, that, that would be better than what we got. Go on, fucking Michael Cole, you fucking... How he's managed to blag that, a WrestleMania match, I've got no idea. Undefeated. No idea. Undefeated at Undefe- WrestleMania, right? is, is, that's, that's like Big Sam's England record, isn't it? <laughs> 100%, baby. 100%. Or is that, is that striker I always forget the name of? Played for Preston. David... Um, David Nugent. The Nugent. David Nugent. Yeah. One goal, one game. Love it. Yeah. Stole he's it from Jermaine. one of the worst matches in WrestleMania history. Easily. I wouldn't say it's even close to the worst. I really don't. I think there's so many shit WrestleMania matches. I think Bret Hart vs Vince is genuinely going to be the, in my view anyway, the worst WrestleMania match ever. Which is crazy, but I genuinely believe that is going to be the worst WrestleMania match ever in my view. So harsh, and it's so horrible. It's just why. I'm, I'm sticking. I'm sticking with this. One thing they, one thing I did think when watching this, I was like, why couldn't they have like properly? I guess none of them, are, neither of them are particularly great wrestlers, but like they could have like properly like gimmicked the match a bit more, which would have made it probably a bit more entertaining. I'm thinking obviously of um Sami Zayn versus um Johnny Knoxville, which they like gimmicked the shit out of. But obviously Sami Zayn is legitimately a good wrestler as well, which mm-hmm. obviously yeah. Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler at this point in his career is not. Still throws a lovely punch though. I think I think this is legitimately as good as it could have been. And that's not to say that it was good. I just think it is as good as it could have been. I don't think there's really Michael Cole. And I like him. I think he's a great commentator. I think he's, as I said, for a generation of fans now will be the voice of WWE and not just a generation, like 15 years worth of fans will consider him to be the, the voice of WWE. He's so indispensable to them as a commentary, as a commentator that they put him on both Raw and SmackDown now. They've just because they've switched teams around. It's oh, well, they got rid of the Irish guy. No, I think he's staying with Corey Graves and Michael Cole on SmackDown, I think. And, and yep. Michael Cole and, and Wade Barrett. Barrett have moved to Raw, which is really yep. weird. But basically, Michael Cole is on both shows. I mean, that, that shows you how much they still they, they value him and they feel like they need him. So as much as I like that, 
he is in no way an athlete in any way. Although I'd actually say now he probably is more of an athlete than he was when he had this match. Cause he's yeah. actually had quite, a, he's got, he's got quite a good physique these days, but back then he had a normal physique for a guy who was in his forties, you know, he had a very normal physique and he wasn't an athletic person. So this is, I think legitimately as good as it possibly could have been. He um posted a photograph a couple of years ago, didn't he? He was absolutely shredded. Very strange picture. So Matt, we're gonna we're gonna do you do you a solid and move on as quick as we possibly can. Your <laughs> talking point. Oh god, yeah, let's get the hell away from that crap. Oh, from well, from one end of the spectrum, let's go to the other and let's talk about something really, really, really bloody good. And for me, that was the Undertaker Triple H match. This is, as you say, a no holds barred match. The Undertaker defeats Triple H after nearly half an hour, not quite, when basically Taker kicks out of uh, Tombstone, I think it is, from Triple H. And then the Undertaker, almost dead, still manages to apply the Hell's Gate and Triple H can't withstand it and eventually taps out having not been able to grab the sledgehammer which is just within an arm's reach in fact he does pick it up but drops it because he's too weak to use it so my memories of this match was interesting because i remember it being good to very good i definitely remember at the time walking away thinking you know that, that was really good really enjoyed that great stuff and then like i said years went by forgot about it and then going back to the show i was thinking oh Go on, take a Triple H match. I'm sure that that was pretty good. And then what I was, what again, I was in such a terrible mood at this point. I was just dying for something to be good. I felt the match was a little bit of a slow start. And I was thinking, oh, hang on. I remember it being better than this. I was like, mm, I don't know what's going on. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I did, you know, maybe I, you know, I forgot. Or maybe perhaps I got confused. I don't know. By the end, there it was. That's what I remembered. I definitely think by the end of this, this was bloody brilliant. This was so good for, I, I think the two of them, and I genuinely believe this, thought similar to what I felt, which is, guys, we're about two and a half hours into this show, and so far, it's the worst WrestleMania ever. Let's do something to get the people involved. So they started off with a bang. The pace they set was very fast and very deliberate at the start, which I felt was exactly what not only the match, but the show as a whole needed. They utilize, thank God, they utilize that stupid coal mining box to perfection by bashing into it and everything, which I just thought was hilarious. And I did quite enjoy that. And they just battered the shit out of each other. I mean, the, the hype package as well. I mean, the, the hype package before the match even started, you know, the sort of Western vibe that they gave it, you know, the the last outlaw kind of thing called that, that Undertaker used was great. It was just two old gunslingers, you know, trying the other one to see who was going to walk away as the, as the best. And like you said, they just, they really did go for it. Like every, every move was impactful as hell. I mean, they, they even, I completely forgot about it until rewatching it. They, they dusted off the old cheer shot to the head, which I completely forgot about. I mean, it, it was quite protected. So at least that's something, but, but the shots that they were doing to each other's backs looked so damn painful. The, the Triple H giving the Undertaker, the tombstone, you know, sticking his tongue out and everything, put his arms in on his chest was a fantastic near fall that the crowd I think ate up and loved and the finish I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of the Hell's Gate finish but it was over just about I think at this point so the fact that you know Triple H eventually had to tap to it and then he was the one who ended up walking away and taking it out to be carted out perfectly done I thought that was amazing this was the gem of an otherwise ridiculously shit show and for that reason it is 100 percent my match of the night thomas 
oh god this match was boring like <laughs> <laughs> I find I just can't do I can't do long Triple H matches I just can't I find them he, so sorry, tedious he can't he can't do them either don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, do you know what like I think I think it's trying to tinky too much but I can't help but think I fucking hated the end of it I hated oh. the end of it I hated Triple H but in my mind it's Triple H being like fine I'll lose to The Undertaker but He's got to look more fucked than I do when we finish, when he walks out. That was my interpretation of it. I thought it was really crap. And and it was kind of, again, for me, again, smacks of like, right, Shawn Michaels, my best mate, is coming off of the back of two really good matches with The Undertaker. I can do that as well because I'm Triple H and I'm really good. And you're not really, I'm afraid. Sorry, Triple H. And the worst thing about it, the worst thing about the whole fucking putrid cesspool pile of shit <laughs> there was this match the only good redeeming thing about this match was the fucking metallica song that triple h comes out to which out, is yeah. appallingly dubbed it's not master of puppets is it it's um for whom the bell tolls which i remember at the time being like this is fucking amazing and the incredible johnny cash entrance mm. that they had and they didn't fucking use it you fucking cunts i'm turning it to matt now i'm, I'm getting all wrapped wild up about it they, i remember these were the, the good things about the match and they fucked it on the network so they can eat a dick but the overall i just find the match really long boring plodding slow like triple h is self-indulgent best oh i've got to get my fucking sledgehammer out and wank it off in front of everyone just like i just use it well no but he basically him getting out and looking at it in the way that he does is basically him tugging himself off in front of the entire audience it's basically somebody getting a table out from a yeah the ring. <laughs> exactly and i just i just did i just thought it's so boring i was like and i looked afterwards and i looked at the time and was like wow that was 29 minutes it felt like it was 45 because i just found it so boring i tried i, I failed miserably tried to go into it open-minded but i was like no i hate this match now what i am i'm not on the next show um the listeners will be thankful um (laughs) but i i really am intrigued to watch the second one because by all accounts the second one is much better no it didn't do anything for me i found this really really crap okay so i i thought tom was gonna say that so i'm gonna come out in between the two of you so i remember when when i saw this the first time i was in lockstep with tom i thought it was absolutely dull as fuck this time watching it, I was like, actually, it's a good match. It is not in any way in the pantheon of great WrestleMania matches. It's just a good match. And it's not my match of the night either. It suffers by comparison to the Shawn Michaels matches. And this is the to- it's interesting. This is the toll that a match like the first Undertaker Shawn Michaels match takes. From whom the bell tolls. <laughs> yeah maybe um that it takes on on the rest of the roster and your future output is that they used every historical reference during that match and left the undertaker with very little to do in the future they tried they basically tried to go for the same for the last sort of 15 minutes they tried to go for the same epic near fall stuffed match and it doesn't work not because it's bad but because They've already done it with Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, and people aren't buying the early ones. So for the first like ten minutes, people just aren't buying it. They just don't get that drama. They've done it twice as well. Well, they've, they've also that. done it, yeah, of course. But I you think know, the second so... match is, I think the second match is a bit different though. It's got different. They work it in a different way. Whereas this one, yeah. they try and do what they did in the first one of the Shawn Michaels Undertaker matches. So that that really takes its toll. They also what they try and do is they they for the first minute they're going at a furious pace. And I was like, okay, if they stay at this pace or they get, you know, they get something dramatic out of this, I'll be I'll be impressed. But they in order to save their cardio, they do put 
I think the Undertaker gets put through the coal mine almost immediately. They get outside the ring very quickly through the coal mine, some stuff on the table. I think Undertaker backdrops Triple H off the table. And that's their get out of having to work a fast match after that point. Then literally, I think about 70% of this match is the both of them selling at the same time and it that's where i think tom finds it really dull and it did test my patience quite a lot that part of it i was like for fuck's sake guys i get that you're trying to sell that this is epic but they spend so much time the pair of them both on the floor selling something i'm just like fuck off like just hurry up and do something they then try and tell the story of triple h basically dominating and this is where they get some where they really pull it back from me so they gave triple h do the a couple of pedigrees at least the tombstone the chair shots to the back the chair shots to the head and then when he does the tombstone it does they actually manage to sell the idea that triple h can win this match and that then makes for a super dramatic near fall where the undertaker kicks out so in that moment they redeem themselves to an extent and put this into a positive territory for me but i can entirely understand anyone thinking this was boring because they are just they're just on the floor for so long selling for so long and it gets very very trying and just annoying after a while so i think okay like no not okay better than okay a a good match a good good match not the match of night nowhere near for me uh, a great wrestlemania match but better on this viewing than i previously thought i've always thought that their second match the following year is far better far better maybe i will change that opinion when we come up against that on a next the next wrestlemania review we do which is obviously in two weeks time but i at least enjoyed this more than i did previously you don't call me the polar bear for nothing i, I prefer this one to, to the hell of a cell i mean again, I, I do think i probably would prefer the hell of a cell i'd actually think i'd probably like it a little bit more now but i i preferred this one at, at the time after watching them back i yeah i preferred this one was to say i've I literally only watched this the one time when it was on and the same goes for the, the second match in fairness so i haven't gone back and watched it because again even though i did think that was better i didn't think these were a particularly memorable like great i wouldn't like i would if i was compiling a list of the top 25 wrestlemania matches i wouldn't even consider these two matches so that might tell you a little bit of how you know where i sort of see these these bouts okay my talking point i'm gonna go back to the and triple h but i'm also going to hit upon the rock's role and the main event here. I remember when we covered WrestleMania 4, I said at the time that WrestleMania 4 is a show, a WrestleMania that is tri- that is a building up to a, to another WrestleMania. And that's really its sole purpose. When you look back on it, WrestleMania 4 is all about preparing Randy Savage, the Macho Man, for his match with Hulk Hogan in a year's time. But the difference with that is, is that in the process of getting there... They play out a full sporting tournament for the title. And Randy Savage has a year-long title reign after that point. So it's not like it's inconsequential. It's a you know entirely consequential thing, but designed entirely to build up the next WrestleMania. This WrestleMania is designed entirely to build up to the next WrestleMania, but doesn't in itself provide a good show. It doesn't, I'm not saying WrestleMania 4 is a great show, but at least it was consequential. This is not consequential in any way. So, so, something comes out of the, out at the end of WrestleMania 4. You've got yeah. a new champion. And, and you've been, full, like, as I said, from a sporting con- concept, you've had a 16 or 14 man tournament, you've got a new world champion, and he's then champion for a year. So it's completely consequential. This is not. And it, go, it starts with the Undertaker Triple H match. 
they have you commented it tom triple h is the one who walks out the Undertaker has to be wheeled out in a stretcher even though he's won the match that is effectively the basis on which they sell the following year's mm-hmm. match between the two so even that match is there to set up the following year's rematch on top of that you've got the rock and i will say this now i thought the rock was pretty lame during the show in general and i you know people will have remembered i went on quite the kind of spirited rant about how you know for me fans treated at WrestleMania 18 fans treated the rock really poorly and they should they should go back and apologize because he you know I'm, I'm a big fan of the rock but here I just thought he was really really lame his opening show promo was not really it for me there was a couple of things backstage he did which were middling to okay um, and then he comes out during the main event restarts it after the Miz and John Cena get counted out. And then the minutes restarted, he rock bottoms John Cena, Miz pins John Cena to win the match after 15 minutes. And then The Rock delivers the people's elbow to Miz. And at the end of it, the WWE heavyweight title match, neither the challenger or the champion is standing tall. It's The Rock standing tall at the end of the show. Now, I'm not saying that The Rock chose that visual or chose that kind of booking for the end. But what I'm, but overall, basically, I didn't think what The Rock did up to that point was any good. And secondly, this main event, this whole show was literally there to build up the following year's WrestleMania. Now, did it do a great job? Absolutely. The next WrestleMania is the biggest pay-per-view in wrestling history, okay, in terms of pay-per-view buys. So from that perspective, it absolutely did its job. But I don't think you should ever be in a position where WrestleMania is only there to build up to another show because WrestleMania is supposed to be the pinnacle. It's supposed to be the biggest show of the year. It's it makes a mockery of the whole concept of WrestleMania if it's if it's there only to build up to another show. And that main event, I remember during this period building up to the show, liking The Miz. I, I remember liking him. I thought he'd done a great job. I thought he'd done, given where he'd started and the absolute shit that he took for where he started, you know, being a reality TV person coming in and he got a lot of shit from veterans and other people who didn't feel he paid his dues and everything. Coming from there to getting to the point where he was able to headline WrestleMania, be the WWE champion, I had nothing but respect for the journey he'd gone on. On reflection, that probably clouded me to the fact the fact that he should never have been WWE champion because he's not good enough. He Maybe he should have been WWE champion, but not at WrestleMania, not going into WrestleMania. And John Cena can be a very good wrestler, but he excels when he's up against someone really good or someone really shit. The Miz is neither. Miz is a middling, average in-ring practitioner. And therefore, John Cena didn't take the ball by the horns and go, right, I'm going to lead this match and absolutely do my everything to make this something impressive. Like he did, for example, against a great Carly. I think we watched one of his matches against a great Carly and it was fine. It was it was wasn't brilliant, but it was fine. Or he he's not in that position where he can be like really collaborative with a really great worker like CM Punk and they can put on an absolutely mass, an absolute masterpiece here. They just they just fail. It's just it's not the fans aren't interested for the most part. There's botches a lot throughout. It's only 15 minutes. So it sounds it feels like management knew that it wasn't going to be up to much because when when is the WrestleMania main event 15 minutes? Certainly not before this. It's not been for a long time that short. And then on top of all that, it ends effectively ends with a double count out because even though The Rock restarts the match, The Rock then rock bottoms John Cena immediately and Miz pins him. So even the end, the end is incredibly dissatisfying, incredibly flat. And as I say, then you've got the end of the show, The Rock celebrating, which to me, all it said was that fans didn't really want either The Miz or John Cena to win. That was the other problem with The Miz as John Cena's 
opponent is that John Cena was always massively unpopular, but The Miz is about as heelish or about as hated as any other wrestler you could get for the same reasons John Cena's hated, i.e. Yeah. the people who, who think they know what they're talking about or are smart fans or whatever don't like him because they think he, much like some of the veterans felt, didn't that they feel like he didn't pay his dues and so it it was almost impossible even to get the usual booing the usual heat on john cena because those people didn't even read out the miz either i think this is one of the worst wrestlemania main events of all time i really think it's dreadful i I think they're capable of more but i think on this night it just it just didn't work in any way and then ends in a just a really flat way so you know, I, I had a rating in mind for the show. I'm not going to tell you what it was or is, but I had a rating in in my mind for the show going into this match, and this took it down at least one notch. A couple of things went through my mind whilst watching this match. First of all, the pre-match video package, or the pre-entrance video packages, should I say, are excellent. The one that kind of shows, like, uh, the Miz, he's, like, looking at a load of monitors, showing his old career, and I thought that was really good. To, to Hate Me Now by Naz, which is a very good song. And then you get the John Cena one, which is, like, all about... It's a it's a prayer by DMX off of one of his albums. And again, that's quite good. Again, though, what's with the licensing going on here? <laughs> you pay for you pay for the video packages. You pay your Naz and DMX sampler songs for, for your video packages, but don't, don't pay Johnny Cash Metallica. It reads, I imagine... Imagine licensing Johnny Cash Metallica is probably quite a lot of money. It probably is. I wonder as well whether there's a because you you said before that like a lot of rappers are into wrestling. I wonder if that's part of it too. Like the rappers are almost like yeah, use my use my song. <laughs> Na, well, maybe, but Nas and DMX, as far as I'm aware, I've never shown any inclination okay, to, to wrestling. As far as I'm as far as I'm aware, they're not. But you, you're probably who, right though. I imagine yeah. Metallica and Johnny Cash are two of the more expensive licensees. Licensees, yeah. Um, the the end made me think. When the match restarts, when the the match ends at the count out, and who's given The Rock delegated authority to make that decision? It would be like a Premier League match ending on an unjust decision, and then Richard Keyes coming out and being like, no, 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 I'm the presenter, I'm the presenter tonight, we're going to have restart the match, because there was a handball in the lead up to that goal. I think in fairness, they had established the host role on Raw very well prior to this point. No, so even the, the anonymous draw rule general manager followed the guest host of rule every like remember if you go back in history before the anonymous rule general manager there was a guest host every yes. week and that guest host played gm basically so i think they'd established that role quite strongly prior to this show in fairness right okay all right so but any, any chance to have a little bit of a mention of richard keys and his hairy hands is always fun <laughs> the match in itself was was as good as i thought it would possibly be which is to say not very because as you said, Dinky, two opponents who just don't really work very well together. I find I find John Cena quite rude in his entrance as well, because you've got that lovely gospel choir singing their hearts out. Some of them are fucking going for it as well. Bit of out of time clapping, which annoyed me a little bit, because come on. Then John Cena comes out, ignores them, comes down, does this crappy muggy little salute, and runs down to the ring. I'd, I'd have liked him to give them at least a little nod to the choir. I said, Thank you, choir. But no, he doesn't entitled little prick john cena is and you're right about the whole feeling like this doesn't mean anything it feels like it feels like a completely inconsequential wrestlemania and what you said about the miz being middling i feel like that is kind of the whole wwe at this period like you know i think it's um what's his name mjf once used the term mid to describe the midwest the mid just being like average and just meh and a bit like crap and nothing and that's exactly what i think of wwe during this period i think like the title matches of john cena and the miz and edge versus alberto del rio 
I mean, God. And late, I think later in the year, John Cena faced R Truth in a pay per view main oh, event. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, fuck it's, it's, it's the reason I nearly left. It's the reason I'd had a fuckful at that point. I look at the roster at this time and I'm like, fuck, this is a rubbish roster. And pretty much a load of the cunts are still there. <laughs> Somehow. How is that even fucking possible? Yeah, I, I didn't think this was a very good main event. I thought it was actually, I thought for the standard that WrestleMania should be in terms of making it feel like a big, big deal, it's probably the worst ever. Just, yeah, I didn't think it was very good. And I found the stuff at the end with The Rock quite just crap as well. Because at the very least, because John Cena loses the match and then just fucks off. Mm. Should, I thought there should have been no retribution. Like, no, there should at least be a showdown between The Rock and... They didn't even, like... Well, more than that, he's just rock-bottomed him and cost him the WWE title. Just, like, just, it can't just be walk off and, you know, sulk. But or at least or at least they could try... Even if he does that, they could at least try to have made something of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, for example, like he's so incandescent with rage, he's storming. I, I don't know. Like, he's trying to be the bigger man or some shit like that. But like, it was just, it was just rubbish. I thought, I thought it made John Cena look really weak. I thought it made the Miz look like an undeserving champion, which by all accounts he probably was. But and it made The Rock look like a prick. So like, I don't think anything good came out of it at all. Well, as I say, something did good come out of it. The biggest pay per view buy rate of all time. But I'm not sure that that justifies the means. No, and and like I said, it, nothing good comes out of it on the night, no. which is what you want. You want to come back from WrestleMania and be like, that was that was the biggest wrestling event of the year, and it felt like it, and it doesn't. In, in terms of the, the yeah, overall match quality, probably one of the worst. In fact, not even probably one of the worst WrestleMania main events ever. Believe it or not, there's one on a show that you've covered not so long ago that I think is worse. I think Triple H, Randy Orton. At WrestleMania 25 is the worst WrestleMania main event of all time. This was really bad. This was John Cena's probably worst WrestleMania performance ever. Whatever reason, you know, like like you said, you know, whether it's he, you know, he, he needs to have either somebody who's really shit or really really good to to drive him and to get him going. Uh, he just didn't have that on the night. He just, I don't know. It just, he, he just didn't feel like he was there. God bless the Miz, and I, I get what you're saying, Ben. I, I too liked him at this time. You know, in the run up to him getting the Money in the Bank briefcase, he re- promo wise, he was on fire. He was really, really, really good. Uh, but the question does become, you know, does that justify him? getting a WWE Championship reign, especially is in the main event of WrestleMania? Probably not. Um, and I think based on this performance, I think you should, you should probably say no. But yeah, I mean, like I said, for me personally, the reason I was watching this show in particular was I just wanted to see The Rock in any capacity whatsoever. The fact that it looked like he was going to beat the shit out of John Cena, I thought, okay, great, I'm all for it. As far as it being a sort of, you know, setup show for the year after, yeah, I agree with you. It was, but then I think this entire WrestleMania felt like a giant episode of Raw. There was nothing overly special, aside from maybe taking Triple H, but, you know, in all fairness, you sometimes have really great matches on Raw and SmackDown, so you could easily say this entire show was just a, a generic bigger show really well you know the, the rock ended up facing john cena next year and like we said it ended up being the biggest buy rate for you know for the biggest wrestlemania of all time so i think you can argue the end justifies the means in this case but yeah i mean was it was it worth having to, to watch that i mean the count out finish i mean yeah okay 
all right, obviously they, they restarted it and, you know, the, the rock got to be the guy who, you know, said we're going to restart it and, you know, comes out and lays out Cena, which, which is what the people wanted to see. But yeah, it, the, this, this was no good. This was definitely no good and not what you want from your WrestleMania main event. Shame. One last thing from me on this, making it not feel like a big main event. With two words for you, Alex Riley. <laughs> Alex Riley, a company hey, the main eventer, the main event, the champion of WrestleMania down to the ring, and hey, has Riley. an active role in the match. That goes to show how shit WWE was at that time. I also had I had a thought about the result because the Miz retains, so he's he is. Only the second heel that went into WrestleMania as a heel to win the main event. I say that because obviously Austin turned heel in the process of WrestleMania 17. But he's the first wrestler to go into the main event of WrestleMania as a heel and come out the winner of the main event of WrestleMania other than Triple H at WrestleMania 2000. And I think it's right that they have the heel win the main event of WrestleMania every now and again, like probably every like 15 years, just to make put the doubt in your mind that the, the baby face is going to win but more often than not way way more often than not the baby face should win the main event for me this was not the right time to have a heel win the main event of wrestlemania i think a better time would have been actually randy orton and triple h i think randy orton should have beat triple h in the main event of WrestleMania 25 the more i think about it, i think he should beat him and i think he should beat him on a disqualification but that t- i know matt you'll hate that but i i really do think that's what he should have done no i, I in, in all fairness given i can i can see what you mean like, like given what what they were doing and where they were going with it um, yeah, because Orton had lost the title via disqualification at some point in his career, and it was great. So, yeah, no, I see that. And I just don't think this was the right time. The only reason I thought, actually, they probably had to do it was because the following night, obviously, the Rock and Cena set up their one-year-in-the-making WrestleMania 28 match with each other, and they probably didn't want to muddy the waters and make people think that was going to be for the title by having John Cena as champion when they made the match. I know that Cena would go on to win the title not long after this. The following month, the, Extreme Rules. Yeah, but at the time they needed Cena not to have the title so that they could set up the match so that people didn't think that it was necessarily for the title in one year's time. And I think that's the only reason that The Miz won this match because actually they could have just as easily had John Cena beat The Miz and then afterwards The Rock come out confrontation in fact just a conversation without any violence might have worked or, or even just maybe a few punches back and forth the rock you know punches cena out of the ring and cena just backs down because he's just had a match that would have made just as much sense if not more than what they did so for me the show would have been enhanced by cena winning the match but i think the the only reason they didn't do it is because they wanted to do that thing the following night and therefore they kind of had to have Cena not have the belt because I think people would have just instantly gone, oh, well, that means Rock's going to face Cena for the title in a year. That's true, but just book wrestling better, Vince, please. <laughs> well, don't, don't book it at all, mate. Just just leave it alone from now on. That would be fine. Yeah. Um, it was awful at that point. So let's go back to the start of the show. We've got a few more minutes, I think, till we're at the halfway stage. We start with Justin Roberts introducing Kerry Hilson to sing America the Beautiful. Didn't really know much about Kerry Hilson. few too many histronics for me in this one. Bit too over-dramatised, bit too much vocal gymnastic stuff for me. Not really keen on that, to be honest. There's there, there's an element of that, but I thought it was okay. I thought it was perfectly fine. We're at the period as well now where, and it, I'm, I may be proved wrong by this in the future, but it feels like we're at the period where basically they just go out, get themselves a an R&B singer or some, some pop singer, and basically they just do a karaoke version of America the Beautiful and try to make it as dramatic as possible each time. Whereas yeah. I feel like we had 
different things going on in the past the aretha franklin version john legend just with his piano we've had you know little richard and his and the choir and this sort of the bit of a different kind of arrangement even the wrestlemania uh, 11 one with the sort of the special olympics woman who did like basically operatic yeah. version of it like just different stuff whereas i think we're at that period right now they're just kind of copy and paste here's another kind of you know pop singer female pop singer and they're just going to do the kind of standard in the ring with a microphone over a backing track which is just not as good there's a lovely big american flag though over the bottom of the ramp oh glory enormous i wanted to jump on it <laughs> from, a, from a from a from a semi-decent night it would have been very satisfying then we get the first intro video of a couple here the, this one basically hypes up the fact that the, we're in the georgia dome and the rock is the guest host for the show and then the rock comes out in a tracksuit of rocky chance and i i'm i was tom if you're disappointed i'm with you i just was like why what are you wearing that tracksuit for this is dress not... for the occasion yeah come on mate wear your suit fucking hell sort your life out in the cover of the of the mm. poster he's wearing a lovely red velour number i believe or no black like a black tux ring. that's what you should be wearing as the host if you're going to get involved in the action later come on down in your under armor stuff you know what i mean but for this moment in time rocky come on he's a higher class of this, and this is part of it for me this is they set the tone for the rock's performance it was like everything was mediocre on this show that he did it just was not a, it wasn't the rock it was it was a poor kind of it was like basically like when you see a any in any sport a, a sportsman who's got to the point where they're no longer quite as good as they were and you can still see flashes of what they're capable of but it's just not the same and it just doesn't it just doesn't hit in the same way and this started it right from the get-go i was like this put me on, on the back foot i was like come on rock sort your life out get a suit on or at least just dress better. Like, what are you doing? This looks awful. Yeah, it's, it's I'll tell you what it is, Tinky. It's uh, it's Jose Mourinho in a gilet. That's what it <laughs> yeah, is. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Rather than the, you know, rather than the pursuited kind of suave yeah. gent that we we started off with, it's it's yeah, lesser yeah. Mourinho. We do see though during this promo the the greatest sign in WrestleMania history. Go on then. Youth hostling with Chris Eubank. <laughs> <laughs> lovely <laughs> i didn't notice that yeah that's a shame that's a absolutely shame brilliant absolutely brilliant uh, uh, <laughs> okay. alan, alan partridge reference there absolutely fantastic <laughs> that's, a, that's a fantastic sign <laughs> so niche i love it yeah without a doubt the best recipe sign ever if Definitely. you're listening the person who, who made that sign because you we love you be, you've got to be british there's no way you're american with that with that particular uh reference no. let us know we will we'll we will deify you i'll put you in our we'll be the the, the one inductee into our um individual hall of fame yeah and and we'll have you on the pod that's a, that goes without saying the rock then cuts a promo promises that this will be the most memorable wrestlemania of all time promises it mind as well, so <laughs> well he, that one. To, to be fair it is very memorable Oh, I suppose oh, so. I liked um, as well, did it? <laughs> for, for all the wrong reasons, I suppose. He then, this is this is what I'm talking about. The Rock being quite kind of lame. When the Rock says wrestle, you say mania. I mean, what oh. is this? What is this? Timmy Mallet from the 1980s. I mean, what the like fucking hell, guys? Yeah. What's wrong with Timmy Mallet? <laughs> well, Matt, I mean, late. I love Timmy Mallet. Again, I, if if you were a young child and you liked what he did, that's fine. I understand that. That's fine. But when I'm comparing him to the Rock you realised how poor The Rock's performance was. Let's kind of compartmentalise your thoughts, Matt. Come on, it's, it, there's a clear line of sight there. I'm not, I, I don't mean to be, like, if I did say, all right, I'll say, I'll say Mr. Tumble in front of his modern day audience. Let's, let's do that instead, shall we? <laughs> I just realised how much you're bigging up Timmy Mallet. I mean, fair play. <laughs> but no, it just—I was just like, come on, mate, this is so fucking lame. This is shit. Like, someone must have scripted oh. you to do this because there's no way you. Do, I'm trying to give him a pass. 
because I'm trying to say like there's no way you'd come up with this, but I'm not sure. It's just fucking awful. I uh, watched a bit of Mr. Tumble earlier today, and it was crap. There, there, there are some kids programs out there that are brilliant. Right. Hey, doggy, one of the bluey. Bluey, Bluey, Bluey is the, the, the daddy of them all. Bluey is the bollocks. It's absolutely amazing. Mm. Mr. Tumble, I'm watching it. I'm like, I mean, have you seen Baby Jake? Think it. Sorry, Matt, but have you seen Baby I Jake? Baby Jake <laughs> is the most terrifying show ever. It's fucking horrible. And my daughter's like, Baby Jake, Baby Jake. I'm like, fucking scroll past it on iPlayer. <laughs> Fuck off, Baby Jake. You know, I've never seen it. Oh, it's awful, awful. To go back to simple, basic bullshit call and responses. When the rock, when I say the rock, you say mean. Wrestle, you say mean. Fuck off, fuck off is what I would have been doing in the crowd. And then, so and then, and then, when the rock says yabba, you say dabba. Oh, oh. I mean, he basically he's Barney the dinosaur up there. I mean, it's he fucking called, atrocious. He called Cena the yabba dabba bitch. That was part I, of it. Yeah, but that was shit as well. Like he's yeah. just to, to he, you. I thought it was funny. Oh man, fucking hell, mate. Honestly, if you like this, you are gen. There's no hope for you. Like this was, <laughs> this was. It's just it's a, it's not the best thing ever, but it's a standard warming the crowd up, and it worked. The Rock. Ching. There's nothing standard about the Rock until this moment. Suddenly he is just standard, and that's the problem. He's supposed to be the most electrifying star in the history of sports entertainment and i believe that until yeah, i saw this again like they were sucking a cock in the crowd come on how great is that man the problem is we know that he's capable of so much more and that's what makes it so disappointing for me like the and do you know what it reminded me of which is weird because this was before but it's like when fucking roman De- roman reigns did like the suffering sucker tat stuff and all oh, that shit like it's no it's way. from the same yeah. It's from it, the no, same fucking right. playbook as it's that. Absolutely from the same it's, playbook. It's it's completely it it what it is it, it it reeks to me of a role in the show and a product that doesn't know what it is. Because so for example, like it seems to me that they they just said to the Rock, go out there and hype up the crowd, but don't be too risky. Don't say anything too too you know like inflammatory about anything. Just go out there and he was kind of like, what do you want me to say? And they're like, oh, you'll do it. And he just went out there and just made it up and it was shit. And the way, the, also the thing that I think about in terms of the company not really knowing what it is at the moment, it's still in that kind of like crap PG era that they did at that time that didn't really make for a particularly interesting story because ultimately Vincent Mann's a horrible CD cunt. So he doesn't he didn't know what to do in a PG era as well, which is why I think that's just, this is so rubbish. It's smacked of just like nobody knowing what to do with that segment of time. And that what we ended up with is The Rock doing really lame call and response stuff to get the lowest common denominator to get the crowd chanting. Call and response stuff that you'd get a fucking matinee show at Butlins. That's what it was. Yeah. Like it was just it was piss poor. But I did quite like his rhyme. That was the one. That. that was the one. But he did like you know his kind of trailblazing, oh, yeah. and blah, blah blah. That went on for a little bit, and that was a little bit better. But the rest of it, I thought, was generally quite poor. And you're right, Tiggy is off set off by that fucking jacket, but that tracksuit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> then we have another video. Music I've said is like Creed, but a bit more goey. <laughs> I think because the because the guy sounded a tiny bit like Creed. <laughs> um, and then we get written in the stars, thank God. Um, oh, and, and I tell you what, sorry. They kept that in the entire week. I've had written in the stars and Matt is going to completely disagree with this. I don't particularly like the song, but I think that song is perfect. 
for WrestleMania. I think it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. See, this, it's this is the, anthemic, this is the thing. it's loud, yeah. it's powerful, it sounds good in a big arena, it's upbeat, but it's still got that kind of, you know, pomp and circumstance around it. The chorus of the song does, at least, anyway. And, yeah, I think it, I think it was a, it's the perfect fit for WrestleMania. I think this is where I start to go. I'm not a massive fan of the song either, but I'm just so glad that we're we're over the fucking or in we're not completely over it, but we're getting over the fucking dr- drudgy rock that they just pumped out like a as a matter of course like for about ten years. But, yeah, and I think that drudgy rock stuff started right like pretty much during the Attitude Era and like some of the fucking terrible entrance music they had then like with the, some of the like Boss Man's theme in particular just stands out as an absolute mm. pile of wank. And then after that they just they just had you know for during the ruthless aggression era that's, they just had loads of really mediocre rock bands playing songs both from entrance for entrances and for themes of, of shows and i'm just like i'm so glad we're over that like if we're going to use rock some rock music let's use something good shall we we had saliva drowning pool cold seether creed lots of fantastic great bands who do great music and it's a damn shade that we don't use them anymore I'm glad we got onto music because I got I, I spoke to you for uh for a while now Matt we haven't been on a podcast for a while but the last time you um were talking very positively about Creed and me and Tinky will like Creed in a ironic kind of self aware way and I got a text from uh, my friend Lek who was a he was an avid listener to the show he obviously has never met you before and he's a big metal guy as well okay. as well um he said to me. After listening to the latest episode, I can only conclude Matt is working heel in terms of music. When he said, the guy from Creed has the most angelic voice I've ever heard on a man, I thought this must be a work. <laughs> um, I've got a little, I've got a little, I've got a little test, and this is you think very carefully about your responses because obviously we know some of the bands that you you like stuff. I got, I got one name of a band, and I need to hear, I need to know your what your answer is to this. Okay, Puddle of Mud. He's gonna love them. He's definitely gonna love them. What the fuck is wrong with Panama? Awesome. Right. Okay. Tinky, we need to because <laughs> right. We, me and Tinky also had a discussion offline. What's wrong? And with we we went. To, well, they're awful, mate. But there's. Well, no, I, okay. But um, what we what I need from you, I need. I'm I'm gonna ask you to do me a massive favor, right? I want to task you with some homework. I want okay. to I want to introduce Matt's album reviews <laughs> oh, to God. to the podcast. Oh, God. Right? And we, I asked Tinky about a, a list of albums that you would recommend to someone who probably hasn't heard them before. So, and I don't know if you would have heard these albums. So this is the list that Tinky came up with. It's a bit long. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna highlight a couple of ones that I know to be particularly great off this list as well. Okay. So, uh, what's going on by Marvin Gaye? Re- Revolver by the Beatles. Grace by Jeff Buckley. Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg. American Three, Solitary Man by Johnny Cash, and I would also put on there, um, Is This It? Is This It? by The Strokes. I'd also like to throw in Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Can you listen to one of those albums and let us know what you think of it on the next podcast, please? <laughs> I'm desperate. I'm desperate to hear your thoughts on it. I'm sure I can pick one of those. That That sounds fine. Okay, so we said, Is This It? What's Going On? Revolver, Grace... Doggy Style and America Three and uh, Songs in the Key of Life. So, Tinky, do you want to nominate one from that list for instance? I was going to I was gonna nominate American Three, Solitary Man by Johnny Cash, actually, because I think it's probably the one he's most likely to like. It's also probably one of the more accessible. It's like two, three minute acoustic key Johnny Cash songs. Covers. Um, all covers. 
and I think well, I think mainly covers anyway. And I think it's probably yeah, I think it's got the best chance. <laughs> okay. So can you? Can I'm you, being kind. I could have gone for what's going on by Marvin Gaye, which I think you'd have really struggled with. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, fair, any anyone by Snoop Dogg, I would have been like, what? No. Oh, it's a masterpiece. Doggy Style is an absolute masterpiece. First album Snoop is a masterpiece. No talent. Sorry. No talent. Anyway, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that one. I think <laughs> we need to take a break. And we'll come back. We'll cover the rest of uh, WrestleMania 27 and hope that there's something on there that we can find to redeem it as a show. I tell you, I got a great gift for you. What's that? Okay. Feel the dream. There it is. Feels like a dream. Yes, it does. <laughs> Boom. How are you enjoying WrestleMania? Oh, man, I love it. I mean, this whole week has just been magical. It is magical, isn't it? So special, especially as champion and you're here and you're absorbing everything that WrestleMania is. You know, speaking of magical and magical moments. That's what I do. It's what The Rock does. We know each other that well, but you should know The Rock creates these electrifying, magical moments just like that. I'll give you an example. Okay. Whoever comes around that corner, I won't look, but whoever comes around that corner, I'm going to create an incredible, unforgettable moment with whoever it is. All right. Tell me when they're there. It looks like you uh, got your wish. Time to make more dreams come true. Mm. Oh. May! May Young, how you doing, May? So good to see you. You said you love the diva. I do love the diva. She's a divasaurus. Uh, but, but May, uh, how can I help you? How can you help me? Yeah. I want the people's girl. You want the people's strudel. Right. Big fella. Yeah. Uh, well, May, there should be other strudels that you should be craving from no, other people, no. like Moses. <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, May, this is our champion. Eva champion Eve. Eve, this is May. Hi, May. Eve, like your childhood friends, Adam and Eve. <laughs> ah, she told me to say it. Inappropriate joke. Look, look, let me tell you something. Don't you be making the jokes out of that because I'm the one and only Great May Young. I, I know you are the one and only Great May Young. And, and I, I'll never get old. I, and you'll never get old. You'll be kicking ass forever. That's right. I know that. Eve, will you please escort May to her seats? I Enjoy the show because I'm going to electrify tonight. Uh, all Thank right, you May, let's very go. much. Yeah. You ready? Oh. May. Frisky May. Inappropriate May. Couldn't have been anyone else coming around that corner. Anyone else coming around the corner! How you doing? Good. Good to see you. It's good to see you. You ready to kick some ass tonight? Always am. You? Oh, yeah. I'm ready to bring it. Really? You should remember that. Good seeing you. Good seeing you too. Right, welcome back to the show. 
Now, we didn't actually get to the first match of this show. I thought we would in the first half, but there we go. Because before the first match, Justin Roberts introduces Ricardo Rodriguez to announce Alberto Del Rio's entrance. He's also got Bullet Broders Clay at ringside and didn't see him come down. I think they just sort of manifested him just <laughs> outside the ring at one point. We are introduced to our commentary team, Michael Cole, Josh Matthews and Jerry Lawler. As you said, Michael Cole is in the coal mine. And going back to that conversation I like the coal mine. I do like the coal mine. I think that's really funny. And I think I was going to say, actually, I think a lot of my issue and a lot of people, probably all of our issues in some ways with a lot of this stuff is that the stuff that me and Tom and old man and others really love from the 80s, what we saw and then like early 90s, what we saw of that time was so little. So we really only saw the pay-per-views. And so you can imagine something like the coal mine, for example, if we just seen the pay-per-views would probably be legendary in our heads because it would be just one of those things of just like, oh, look, it's bizarre. It's that, it's that weird mo- like period where Michael Cole yeah. was just in the coal mine and it's just fucking nuts. But because we saw on Raw and we saw his act on Raw every week and because everybody did by this point because it was just what you did, I think a lot of stuff wears a lot thinner because you're seeing it far more often. So all the stuff on the pay-per-views pretty much as legendary because we saw it once or twice and that was it yeah you'll talk about like owen hart's cast yeah like just things that that. just didn't last huge amounts of time in your mind because you only saw like these pay-per-views pretty engaged then comes out now edge's best friend no longer brother according Mm. to uh, michael cole and we see also the spanish announced team hugo savinovich and carlos cabrera the absolute veterans of wrestlemania they keep keep turning up for the opening match of the night the world heavyweight title on the line edge defending against alberto del rio a match that goes for 11 minutes just over and is won by edge when he hits a spear Um, At the end of the match, Edge walks past Del Rio's car, which Del Rio drove in his entrance. He hits the door and drops an elbow on the roof. Christian then joins Edge and they scratch the car and then smash the windows with a crowbar. Del Rio is upset at the damage. Matt? I I have two minds of this match. There's there's sort of two schools of thought. One of them is that if you just take take the match, don't think of it as, as the world title match, just think of it as... Edge versus Del Rio, it's okay. I wouldn't say it's anything particularly special. I, I'd almost say it, it comes across as, as quite a like a basic sort of match that you possibly even see on a house show. I mean, I can easily see the lineup. You know, Edge accompanied by Christian versus Alberto Del Rio accompanied by Brothers Clay, and it'd be a perfectly sort of serviceable match on a house show. Yay! Babyface wins. Happy days. Send the crowd home. Everybody's happy. That, that's the one school of thought. The other one is that this match is the opener for the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, Del Rio won, and if I remember rightly, I'm sure it was what they quoted, and well, yeah, I'm sure they quoted it as the biggest Royal Rumble ever, because that oh, yeah, that's the one where they had like 40-odd people in it. So he won the Royal Rumble to go in the opener. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, it absolutely has to, the world title match absolutely has to be last. I think we've talked about match placement, and, you know, particularly, you know, the, the main event sort of scenario in the past, but for this to be the opener, I know you typically want to start with a bang and kick off the show with something good, but instead of, you know, it raising the show and making it feel special for me, it, it did the opposite and it dragged the world title down and didn't make it seem as important, which is a shame because it's, it, it's, you know, it's your world title, regardless of, you know, all right, they had, you know, the two world champions at the time. It, it's still one of your world titles is meant to be important. So yeah, that, that, that part disappointed me. And the end sort of stuff with the, you know, the hedge and 
Christian, you know, de- destroying his car. Okay, you know, the, the, the baby faces are, are meant to, you know, get one over on the heel and that. But I just can't help but think, you know, you had a pricks. <laughs> you got your victory. You beat him. Beat him on the biggest stage you possibly could. Then you vandalize his car. And I just... I felt sorry for Del Rio. So it was a bit of a disconnect for me with this match. I, I find it hard to feel sorry for Del Rio, given that by all accounts, he's a prick in real life. But also that his character apparently employs loads of people on his, his ranch or whatever it is. And by all accounts, doesn't treat them particularly well. So I think a little bit of vandalism of his car is not really uh, that big a deal. Did, did they ever say that they ever say that he, he didn't treat people well? Well, they intimated it. I think it was a sort of... Just, I, I remember a number of times on commentary them talking about the fact that Michael Cole, Michael Cole, who was obviously the heel, always said how well he treated them. And Jerry Lawler sort of disputed it many times. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, it's, to me, it just strikes me as, okay he's he's the you know the, the token rich guy you know rich guy lots of servants let's fuck with the rich guy which okay but i don't know i just didn't like it the thing that bothered me about the car is that it's actually a genuine car <laughs> it's a genuinely a really expensive car and we think fucking hell i know this is a while ago but i'm like look at the state that people are living in and you're just smashing what they call a 500 000, i don't think it is obviously but still a a couple of bob went into getting that car and then just smash it up. I was like, yeah. In terms of the match, I kind of, I, I take a little bit of exception with what you said, Matt, because I think it's a perfectly fine, acceptable championship match to open your card if it's for the Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> like, these two, like, I know this is Edge's last match, isn't it, before he retires? And I did think to myself, I was like, I, I didn't think it was very good. I don't think Edge is very good, and I don't think Alberto Del Rio is very good. And I thought, fucking hell, imagine if this was your last ever match. Like, what an what anticlimactic, wet fire of a match this is. Like, I'm just watching it, and I'm like, ugh. And again, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, Edge, Alberto Del Rio? <laughs> like get this this these are not these are not main event caliber referee uh, matches <laughs> wrestlers whatever they are i got too excited for my red dwarf Crichton referee yeah, i was gonna say i yeah. forgot what wrestlers are called for a second <laughs> um but like i just I, it's just was watching it and i was like this is it this is the opening match this is the match that's supposed to get me interested in this and i'm watching these muggy little cunts having a match and i was like no i'm not having this i'm not having this didn't think it was very good the highlight is edge despite what i said is edge doing the elbow drop on the car that was probably the highlight of the entire match like why is brutus clay out there what has he got to do with anything he's old up matey boy del rio who's already got his um his lad with him the ring announcer and again like i said about alex riley brutus clay is involved in the, in the heavyweight title match fuck off Fuck <laughs> off, WrestleMania! You're drunk. Get out of my face, you idiots! I thought this was alright as a match. Thought it was alright. I think this is where they pretty much portray the world heavyweight title as the Intercontinental title, is it not? Like they've now pretty much determined, you know, this is below the other belt, basically. Like they've always kind of maintained a degree of deniability on that front. I think through the previous WrestleManias, this is the one where it's like it's pretty blatant now. This is the one. This is the one that we don't really care about that much. We talked about the fact that this show isn't that great and the main event's The Miz versus John Cena and I'm not sure what else they could have done with John Cena other than put him against maybe The Undertaker for a, a big match. But they seem to be running low as a, on, a rost, on a roster front. Jericho's not on the show. I wonder, is it because he's injured at this period? I presume that's why he's not here. Because was he's he on the one next of his, one. His breaks? Oh, he's on the it? next oh, one and he was on the one before. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Then you've also got Edge obviously in his last match here as well. So this is a, Shawn Michaels retired at the previous WrestleMania. So they, they're losing a lot of their 
regular main event talent. They've already obviously lost through different circumstances, Benoit and Kurt Angle. Just in a, they've, they've lost a lot of the guys that they were relying on to carry big matches at WrestleMania. And it feels like another reason why they need to bring The Rock in in some ways, because they've not got that. And this just... I don't know. It just feels like they they really tried with Del Rio. They gave him a big push. They brought him in, really tried. And I feel like they didn't... I don't think they knew that this was Edge's last match at the time. Maybe they did, but I don't, I don't feel like they did. Was it the night after or was it a week after when Edge... It was the night after, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. So maybe they did know, but then you'd have thought they wouldn't have taken the risk of him having the match if they knew. So I just I feel it's a little bit... It's either a little bit or, or very inappropriate for them to have, have put him in the match or they didn't know until the next day. But whatever the case, I feel like given the way they pushed El Rio, given his whole destiny shtick for about, you know, since his beginning, he had to win this match, right? Like, without winning this match, you've really cut the legs from under him. And it's the opener. So it's not like anyone's going to get upset with the heel winning the opener. That's fine. I think it was a mistake the the result and i think if they did know i think it's more of a mistake in some ways because i think where possible you maintain the continuity of your title rather than go vacant if you can avoid it you know you do so if they did know and they thought we'll have one more match then i feel like you should edge should have lost anyway i just didn't think it's very good well i'm I'm, I'm sorry i'm looking through the kind of the the pay-per-views of the year and there are people that you could elevate up to like a higher standard. I mean, you've obviously got like Randy Orton and, and CM Punk who are admittedly in a match together in this in this one, but they could have been higher up in the card, I reckon, and maybe had that for a title or, or to have something else. It just seems like they're really low on talent, like you said, Tinky. And they're also a little bit like, we haven't got a fucking clue what to do, what to do anymore. We've lost most of them, and yeah, I just don't know what the fuck to do. That's what it, it seems like to me. It just says a lot that Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole's match is one of the most highly built-up matches going into the show. It just feels like, as I said, and I believe I'm pretty certain I said at the time, like it feels like Vince McMahon rang The Rock and begged him to come and host yeah. this show and then be on, you know, have a, have a couple of WrestleMania matches in the future. Because it, if you remember at the time, it was a really big deal when he showed up on Raw because because he hadn't yeah. been on WWE television for such a long time prior Since to Since WrestleMania 20, wasn't there? Yeah, think. I think so, yeah. yeah. So you're talking about like a really long time he's been away, and it just, it really, I remember saying at the time, it feels like he rang him up and, and begged him yeah. to come back, because he just didn't have anything for this WrestleMania. So then we get video highlights of Rey Mysterio's hitting Rhodes with a 619, crushing his face, and Rhodes then attacking Mysterio and hitting him in the face with a knee brace. Before their match, Cody Rhodes versus Rey Mysterio, a 12-minute match, which ends when Rhodes hits the crossroads and gets the pin. Tom, what did you think of this one? Well, first, I want to talk about the flimsy reason for the match to happen. You hurt me in a wrestling match using a legal move. <laughs> That's a bit of a crap build-up for the match. In terms of the match itself, this is the one that I alluded to alluded to earlier, that I was very disappointed with the crowd, because they're booing Rey Mysterio, mm. and they're cheering for Cody Rhodes. And I'm thinking to myself, even now, that shouldn't happen. Even in 2023, <laughs> that shouldn't happen. You should still cheer Rey Mysterio. Like, we, I think we discussed it at with the ECW One Night Stand. Don't boo Rey Mysterio. Just don't boo him. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a great wrestler. The greatest luchador of all time. Don't, don't boo Rey Mysterio. Show him some damn respect. And, uh, and Cody Rhodes has got too much leg on display because so he doesn't <laughs> wear knee pads. The match in itself was okay. Is this my match of the night? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I, well, this is how low I kind of 
think of this card there. This kind of mid-level match between a not very good Cody Rhodes and Rey Mysterio, who doesn't really have any real reason to be in this match. <laughs> it's a contender for my match of the night. I, it was it was fine. There's some things happening. It. I can't really remember too much about it. If I'm being honest, it kind of just it's one of those matches again that just felt kind kind of pointless. There wasn't really any real build, and for some reason the crowd are cheering for Cody Rhodes all the way through. I just didn't. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not gonna come off very well in this episode. I don't think so. I'm gonna be very negative about everything, with the exception of a few bits. It's like but, it's like Matt for WrestleMania one. It's pretty <laughs> it's pretty much the same. Yeah, this match le- left no real lasting impression of me. Yeah, it's a contender for match of the night. I just before you give your um sort of thoughts on this Matt, my first two notes on this match are Mysterio dressed as Captain America, Rhodes' legs are too bare. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's too much leg on display that immediately puts it in a eh, down category for me yeah I, I mean I, I definitely agree in terms of that guy needed to wear knee pads no it's not a good look protect your knees you know it's good for you too yeah I mean the, the first thing I mean just looking back at this now compared to the Cody Rhodes of today I mean that that's just startling enough as it is I mean my god the, the difference god has he come on and really like really made something of himself today so well done Cody for that you get a damn good pat on the back for you know really making yourself a star but yeah this this was just a it, it kind of came the, the gimmick came off a little bit cartoony even for then it, it almost like they were making him a, a frankenstein's monster type thing with the mask and it again is they i think they tried to do something they tried to do quite a few different sort of gimmicks with cody just to sort of see what would stick and again that this was one of them and i just it, i just don't think it worked i mean they you know ray tried to you know use the mask against cody in the match or at least give him credit for continuity and trying to do that and probably the the only thing that really stuck out for me in this match was Cody giving Ray a really good wheelbarrow German suplex at one point. Other than that, yeah, this this was a bit, bit of a waste of, of both guys. I don't agree with that. I, I I think this is fine. I think it's as good as the Del Rio Edge match, and I think both of them are, are perfectly fine functional matches. I think. What I would say about the Cody gimmicks in response to you, Matt, is that I think they were mid-card gimmicks. They weren't main event gimmicks. And that was fine because I don't think WWE saw him as a main event guy. I don't think they thought he had the potential to be there at this time. And I think it's because he's not wearing any knee pads. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not even joking when I say that because he looks thin. He's scrawny. He he? looks scrawny. And I think covering up his legs has helped him no end. It really has. He doesn't look scrawny anymore. Now, he may have also put some weight on. I think he has. If you look at his, you look at his like, upper body and his shoulders, yeah. he just looks like he's bigger, yeah. Yeah, but at the time, he just looks scrawny. He was not, he's not got the look of a main event guy in WWE. And don't forget, they already had Punk that they were pushing who looks relatively scrawny too, compared to other you know, big stars. He's not, obviously, but compared to other guys. I don't think Vince was ever going to be in the mood to push two of them towards the top of the, the card. My God, he's got knee pads. Yeah. Shoot him to the top. Look at him. You can see Marty Jannetty's face in his legs. <laughs> That's a very old callback. I don't know if you can remember uh, that one, Tinky. No, I cannot. No. I think old man's once said that Marty Jannetty looked like a knee. <laughs> It doesn't matter. That could have been about anyone. It would have been funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I know, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I genuinely do think it's it's partially, mm. you know, the the the, knee, the lack of knee pads are a, a, a microcosm 
of his overall problem, which is that he's just too scrawny at this point and they're not shooting into the top. So I quite like this gimmick because it follows his previous gimmick, which was dashing Cody Rhodes. Mm. And the idea was that when Rey Mysterio hit him with the 619 with his knee pad, that he, his knee brace that he wears because of the protected own knees, Cody could, was no longer dashing because he'd suffered major... F- so I quite like that. I thought that was quite a nice bit of continuity. As I say, never going to make him a main event guy, but I don't think they saw him that way. And let's be clear, and you said this yourself, Matt, not everyone gets to be a main event guy. And if you can just be a valuable member of the mid-card roster, which I think Cody was at this point, that's good enough sometimes. You know, you just accept that. I'm, and I'm not going to get might get some heat off Steam for this, I'm not sure if WWE still really see him as a main event guy. I think they do. I, th- I don't think they do what they did with Lesnar if they didn't see him as a main event guy. I was going to use that as an example. That's for me. That's that was damn good booking. I thought, and that's they, they see him as the guy. I, I'm not saying he is the guy, but I think they absolutely see him as a main event, a top main event guy. After this, something is cut. I don't know what it is. Then we have the core, which are Wade Barrett, Heath Slater. Uh, Ezekiel Jackson and Justin Gabriel against Big Show Kane, Santino Morella and Kofi Kingston. Uh, originally Kozlov, Vladimir Kozlov was supposed to be on the team, but he was attacked and put out of action by the core uh, at WrestleMania Access. That's how much they valued him. They yeah. they had him injured on Access, not even on not even on Heat. They they had him injured on Access. Basically, it's let this last for a minute and a half. Breaks down very early. Santino hits his Cobra on Heath Slater, and then Big Show hits the KO punch on him for the win. Let's not spend too much time on this, Tom. Ezekiel Jackson's had, had a WrestleMania match. What do you, <laughs> you guys think of that? <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm always impressed by anyone who's had a WrestleMania match, including Michael Cole. <laughs> yeah, put that into context. He's he's only had one more WrestleMania match than us, though. That's so true. I well, this was said, but the only good thing that is really good about this is that the fact that oh, Big Show and Kane are a tag team again. And I was like, yes, the big fucking boring cunts are a tag team again, which they should be and should always be and never not be a tag team. Yeah, the core, all of them are rubbish, I think. So that's that. The only thing I did quite like, I like, I love Santino and Morales music when he comes down. It's absolutely amazing. That kind of Italian opera with the rock in the background. I love it. And uh, he's in full goofy Cobra mode. So um, yeah, go on Santino. Matt? Do you know what? The fact that it was the match that was that quick, that short, great, happy days. Can get, get on board with that. Funny. The core is the stupidest faction name ever in WWE history. Well, that's a challenge now. We're going to have to try and find something more stupid than the core. I mean, I didn't really understand it, so I can't disagree with you very much, but there's got to be something out there that's worse. I think the OC might have something to say about that. (laughs) The, The core is worse than that. The OC is a shit name, but not as bad as even the way that, yeah, that was spelled just, ah, shit. What, What the fuck does it mean? Wade Barrett tried to do some promo on it at one point, like the the, the core group of what NXT was, blah, 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 and all that bullshit. Oh, I see. I see. Well, anyway, moving on. Yeah, it was a minute and a half. Who cares? It was fine. Get them in, get them out. No problem. We get some more rock hijinks. And I think this is where Matt probably, to your point about this feeling like a big episode of Raw, kind of comes in. We got him backstage with somebody who I eventually realized was Eve Torres. But when I first wrote it down, I was like, the rock backstage with, I think, Eve Torres. I'm not sure. But I wasn't, I didn't know her by sight. So I was like, I I, I can only assume it is her. The champion at the time. The Divas champion at the time. 
Nowhere near the card, by the way. No. He congratulates her on winning the Divas title. The Rock says that whatever comes around the corner, whoever comes around the corner, he'll make a magic moment with. May Young then arrives and says she wants the people's strudel. By the way, May Young was the best thing about this backstage segment. The Rock makes a bunch of age gags at May Young. She then uh, pats the Rock on the bottom, a la Vicky Guerrero and Big Show. Wonderful stuff. Did and walks away. Then Austin comes around the corner. They say it's good to see each other and shake hands. So I thought, yeah, the, the old jokes to Mae Young were rubbish. She's like, you know, when you were hanging around with Adam and Eve or some shit like that, that just wasn't funny. The a slap on the ass is brilliant because The Rock's reaction to it is brilliant. <laughs> so it was really funny. I actually loved the face-off between him and Steve Austin. I was, I was a little bit like, ooh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, hello, this is cool. And it's like, hey, how you doing, Rock? Steve. Awkward handshake, walk off again. I just thought you saw the rock going from jovial to kind of intense like that there we go I, I like that I like that bit he just yeah in, in a second intense this is the other alpha you know and I, I quite enjoyed that bit the best thing the rock did all night I didn't I didn't mind it but I didn't when you said the other alpha I was like you can't be an alpha when you've just done the stuff the rock's done over the course of the last 45 minutes with his intro bit and then this I'm like you're not an alpha anymore you're just you're Barney the dinosaur like that's what you are <laughs> like it's just you're just pathetic right now like I was really down on the rock's performance there. I just thought it was totally shit i think it is maybe that i am i know that he's capable of so much more and well, i just I, felt that this was stuff that was so dated and so like oh just lame yeah i mean all the stuff with me young like his jokes and stuff were but that bit i just was like i don't know in my in my mind i read that into the rock being goofy and stupid and dad jokes so on and so forth and then austin turns in and it's like on the back you're like ultimately what happens when i see this bloke this is what happens i like get intense again and i i would have liked that to have been brought through a little bit further into the show as well if there are more seconds to steal the rock just being really intense just like walking down to be like fucking austin cross you austin's there. i'm gonna have to fight someone in a minute do you know what i mean i quite i quite that's what i would have liked do you know the, the Austin thing? I thought the Austin thing was great. That gave me goosebumps. That it really did. Did to see the just to see those two on screen together. That genuinely did give me goosebumps. Love that. Eve. Wow. Yeah. What the fuck? I mean, to, yeah. Just basically, hi. Yeah, I'm the Divas champion. You know, ha ha ha. I'm not on WrestleMania. Must have been dying inside. So fair play. She earned a paycheck that night. <laughs> the me young stuff. Eh, just, again, the, the Rock says goofy shit all the time. He's made a career out of it. Crack on. The thing is, is that even if you think he does say goofy shit, and he does say, I guess, looking back to goofy, but when he did it, it wasn't goofy. Like, it never was. When he was doing it at his heyday, it wasn't goofy. Like, it genuinely just seemed really cool. At this point, you just feel so lame and so dated and so, and not even not even executing it as well as he used to. Like, it just, I don't know. I, I really was down on his performance all night. I just thought he was just not The Rock. He was something else. And I think during this whole program of Cena, he struggled through a lot of the promos they did with one another. He just didn't, he didn't have the same charisma or quality about him at all. There's a rock insult that I love. I think about it from time to time. I think he said it to the big show and they think he said to himself, why don't you go and serve yourself a nice big glass of shut up juice, which is a tremendous insult because it's so stupid. And I've got no idea where it is. So if anybody, any of the listeners <laughs> out there knows where that is, that specific insult from the rock, please uh, let me know. I've deleted my Twitter account because I need, I'm having a little bit of a break from social media, but tag Tinky and he'll text me. Give him some more work to do. 
So next up is a hype video for Randy Orton's match with CM Punk. We see uh, at the Royal Rumble, Orton going for the WWE title where he has the Miz beaten, but CM Punk arrives and hits the GTS, then puts Miz on Orton and Miz wins the match. Punk then explains that the reason he did it was because Orton punted him in the skull 2.5 years ago. Orton then taking out each of the new Nexus members, which Punk was the leader of at this time, and Nexus attacking Orton's knee on Raw. Randy Orton is then up against CM Punk in a match that goes just under 15 minutes. And the end comes when CM Punk goes for a springboard clothesline, but Orton counters with an RKO while CM Punk is still in the air and then gets the victory. Matt? This was all right. I'll at least give him a little bit of credit for trying at this point, because, I mean, yeah, you know, Punk said it. I mean, yeah, he was... What, he was after revenge for something that happened two and a half years ago. I mean, I kind of felt it was a bit of a stretch for them to kind of put that. I mean, obviously, you know, I, you know, you can say he was going for revenge, but it kind of felt like, you know, they were just using it as an excuse to have this match happen. You know, if they were going to do that, surely they would have done it earlier. But OK, so there was kind of a reason for it happening. So, OK, I, I'll let that go. It, it, like I said, it, it, it was all right. It, it wasn't the best match I'll ever see. It, it certainly wasn't bad. It was very just mid-level. Yeah, it was a Randy Orton match. There was nothing overly offensive about it. It didn't last too long. I suppose you could see the the finish coming. I mean, not the they did the put your puck first, avoided the RKO, then got hit with it again. That was cool. I, I don't know how to say what it really just it was very, very, very mid-level. It, it was fine. I know what you mean about Matt about the premise being a bit like flimsy something that happened ages ago but at least there seemed to be a tangible reason for it to happen which is yeah. why and and there are things about it that I, di- I did actually quite like now we were very much getting into the how can we get randy orton to do an rko out of nowhere on someone territory we're getting into the evan Bourne shooting star press one and all that other kind of stuff and i still maintain the fact that randy orton's never actually really been over but the rko has been but in in terms of the actual match i thought it was decent. You're right about it being a standard Randy Orton kind of match. And CM Punk's matches as well are usually reason. They're a bit more up high octane and a bit more up tempo than Randy Orton's matches. But they're both very much like story based wrestlers. And the main story about in this match is Randy Orton's knee being fucked, basically, and that preventing him from doing certain things. So every time it looks like he gets the upper hand, CM Punk either slyly does something to to hurt his leg, or Randy Orton can't physically do it. So there's a bit where he goes for like the punt and then does an incredible comedic fall over <laughs> he goes to run off and do the punt and just stacks it which looked quite funny this is probably my match of the night I'd say, but I wouldn't say that it's a particularly great match. It's just pretty functional for what it is, but at least there's a reason for it to happen. Yeah, this is my match tonight. I didn't think it was great either, but there's just something I just found. I think I think this is a classic case of me thinking actually probably Triple H and Tick is the best match. I just don't enjoy it as much as this one. Mm. If that makes any sense, like it, sometimes that just happens. Sometimes I'm like technically, if I look at it from a completely artistic perspective or just completely unbiased in terms of putting aside the fact that I was bored for long stretches of the Triple H Undertaker match and then play into that like it feels like that probably was a better match but I like this more I just found this more entertaining than Triple H Undertaker I just didn't I think Triple H Undertaker was just a little bit of a chore for a lot of it and this wasn't I don't know it's hard to explain it I get this with everything like there are films where I'm like objectively for example I don't know let me think of something Gladiator right is better than 
I don't know, let me think of something, the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. But I'd much rather watch the Mighty Ducks because, you know, Gladiator is like long and dull and like it goes on for an hour too long. I mean, the, the last hour shouldn't even exist as far as I'm concerned. It's just dull. But I can objectively see that Gladiator is a better film, but that doesn't mean I enjoy it anywhere near as much. And this is the this is a case in this instance, right? I can objectively see Triple H and Undertaker is a better match. We just don't don't enjoy it as much as this match. I reckon uh, a lot of people probably feel that will probably feel that way about Barbieheimer. Probably. <laughs> I think I haven't watched Oppenheimer yet, but I have watched Barbie, and it's excellent. I am watched either, so I'm, no. I'm, I'm, um, I might not, to be honest. Uh, the reality is, like for me. I'm never going to love a Randy Orton match. It's just not possible. It's not possible. There's no way it could... I, do you know what? I haven't... One thing I will say, maybe it's, or maybe I'll do some homework. I've never watched his match at Backlash with Mick Foley. Wow. And so maybe I'll go back and watch that and see if that changes my mind. But I've never knowingly... Eh, actually, I do quite like his match against the Undertaker at WrestleMania 21. But aside from that, that happened before I was watching re-watching wrestling again so that, that happened retrospectively since I've knowingly been watching wrestling and know who Randy Orton is I don't think I've ever enjoyed a match of his were you on the WrestleMania 21 review show I was not so I wonder if you watched it again whether you'd still be like oh it's a Randy Orton match <laughs> oh really <laughs> because because it's not this bad it's just very similar to Randy Orton's matches like it's mm. you know it's not especially different to anything else he does well yeah. I gotta be honest what about his series with Christian though I was kind of halfway out at that point if you get the chance he had a two really good one the main one i think is uh money in the bank was one of the better ones i think it was the, this coming year as well so it is it's the yeah. one with punk and cena so yeah then i skip it to watch punk versus cena <laughs> so. it, it was really worth watching it was really good we then get howard finkel introducing abdullah the butcher sonny the road warriors uh, Drew Carey, Bob Armstrong, Jim Duggan, and Shawn Michaels as the 2011 Hall of Fame class. We don't get the highlights from the night. I wonder if this was cut for some reason, because you usually get highlights from the night. My main thought about this is that I think this might be the last year of the great Hall of Fame music. Oh, maybe. I've got a feeling, because I think they stopped pretty soon after we that went last went. If this is the last time we hear it on our uh, on our journey through the annals of WrestleMania, Thank you, Hall of Fame music. You've been great. I think it comes back. I think it comes back later. Really? They, they go through a different music and then they bring it back. Not necessarily every year, but I think I'm certain it comes back later. Okay. Do you mean that? Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get all the Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler stuff. Then we get highlights of WrestleMania Week in Atlanta, the WrestleMania Access, WrestleMania Pro-Am Golf Tournament, the WrestleMania Reading Challenge, Triple H and Stephanie at the Senate for a resolution calling this WWE Week, and then the WrestleMania Fourth Annual Art Show, all of which sound infinitely better than The Rock's contribution to this show. Then we get some members of the Georgia National Guard shown in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Then we get all the Undertaker and Triple H stuff. And then we get the final bit that we've got to cover, which is Vicky Guerrero coming out and saying, excuse me, and introduces Lay Cool and Dolph Ziggler as her best friends and her business associate. And Tom, this is your moment that you've been waiting for. Why don't you take it away? Well, for a start, so she brings out Dolph Ziggler first. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake. And then out come Lay Cool and they walk to the ring to, you're not enough for me. <laughs> yeah, just another man has done that. Her. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And then, oh, John Morrison comes out. Yeah. Then Trish Stratus comes out. I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. And fucking Snooky from the Jersey Shore comes out to 
the original licensed theme song. So what I what I want to know is how have they managed to retain that, which is a song by LMFAO called Go Crazy or Get Wild, and uh, they weren't able to um, keep old Johnny Cash and, and Metallica. I think you've answered your question. One of them is by LMFAO and the other is by Johnny Cash and Metallica. <laughs> Maybe. But anyway, this match was really quite short, um, but my MVP of the match is Snooki, obviously. Fair enough. Because she uh, does a lovely little backflip into the corner and a, and a little splash. And they win the match. So I was like, go on the Jersey Shore. And I know, and I'm doing that. I'm giving the big fist up for the Jersey Shore, fist pumping for Big Steve. Because I know he likes a bit of the Jersey Shore as well. So we're the only people in the entire wrestling podcast community, I'd imagine, who like uh, the Jersey Shore. So I gave, I'm giving my MVP of the show to the guy who held up the um, youth hostling with Chris Eubank sign. Because I couldn't decide on anybody else who deserved it, to be honest. But my second second place for mvp is the guy in the side in the crowd who has this sign john morrison smells of peach <laughs> i bet he does i bet he does so he smells del- a delightful smelling man i expect Snooky's handspring back out el- handspring back elbow is better than china's i shall i shall say that much mm. not as good as uh jinsei shinzeki, ha- shinzeki hakushi who does an absolutely mentally yeah. good one. But um, I did like the fact that she did it because I've always liked that move because Hakushi did it back in the day. And uh, it was like one of the first times I'd been introduced to anything like that. You know, it was yeah. SummerSlam 95 and I saw, you know, just, oh, wow. Never seen anything like it. This match goes for a total of three minutes and 15 seconds. And basically uh, Snooki wins it after her hands bring a back elbow and splash on McCall. She is booed out of the building during this whole thing the fans are not taking to her and that's the lot of that match matt i'm assuming this is your match of the night after the triple h undertaker contest in it quick thing sorry before before matt comes in what is it that jerry lawless says about vicky guerrero that's really appalling you know what i didn't take it down because i was like it is appalling enough you basically too much. She was wearing like some black leather trousers and like some black top, and just some sarcastic. Oh, I thought black is supposed to be slimming. Yeah. I just thought, fuck you. Yeah, it's a really nasty little comment. Just fuck you. And he, he, first of all, he sat there in a ill-fitting Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirt because he's <laughs> he can't sit there with his top off because he's already wrestled. So Matt, what did you think of the match? Do you know what? It, it was it was so short that there was hardly even time to to, to form an opinion of it. It it was Trish getting in her trademark moves. I like Trish. That was cool to see. I've never seen an episode of Jersey Shore in my life. I've seen the odd clip, so I was aware of who she was at the time. Couldn't give two shits about her. She did a cool. Snooky did a cool handspring elbow. John Morrison. No, I've I've never got him. He just really flashy for the sake of being flashy even his finisher the fuck is starship pain <laughs> what is that you know it's just oh, oh look at me i can do a multiple corkscrew moonsault good for you that's great why do i care yeah other than that this was short whatever it was fine i've uh just realized who my third mvp or the third place for mvp was for this show it's it's Jim Ross for something that he says after John Morrison walks in. He goes, "My oh, God, it smells like peach." <laughs> no, he says, uh, "Oh, I've got uh, I've got my uh, home. I've got my uh, John Morrison entrance all set up. I can do it perfectly." <laughs> <laughs> 
And Jerry uh, Lawler's like, do you go into slow motion? Everything's going, yeah, it's perfect. I've got to write down. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he, didn't he say something like, well, I'm permanently in slow motion? Or something like <laughs> that's that, right. Yeah, he? that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, it was great. Um, I didn't know who Snooki was at the time. I'm not even convinced I knew what Jersey Shore was at the time, to be honest. It didn't bother me that it was on the show because it lasted three minutes and it was done. So we're all off. Good. Done. Tough enough contestants are then shown in the crowd. Justin Roberts announces a new record for any event ever at the Georgia Dome, 71,617. And then that's it. Uh, Miz and John Cena do their thing and The Rock comes out and basically ends the show kind of posing. And that's that's WrestleMania 27. You know what? Talking to you guys, I uh, you brought me down a little bit on the show and I, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't think that was really pop, uh, possible. I'll give you my overall thoughts on it right right away. So I'm giving it a four out of ten. Before I came into this conversation, I was going to give it a five out of ten. So that's, that shows you that you brought me down a bit. I think partially also I've convinced myself that I dislike the rock stuff more than I did when I was watching it. But I think on reflection, I do dislike everything that he did. And I just think it, oh, it was just a waste. It was really poor. I think this show, up until the Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole match, it's heading for a pretty decent show, I think. I think the first, the sort of three matches we've got, Del Rio Edge, Randy Orton, CM Punk, Rey Mysterio, Cody Rhodes, are all fine. They're all they're all perfectly fine. If those matches had happened, and then we'd had a, a really decent main event, even with the Undertaker Triple H, actually, if we'd had that as well, and then we'd had a main event that was decent, I'd have been like six or seven out of ten. This is, this is a fine show. This is all right. But that's where, for me, not the quality ends, because that's not true. Undertaker Triple H is good, but it's boring. It's it's a boring match. And the then you've got Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole. You've got the Snooky stuff. You've got The Rock doing some of the most hideous stuff he's done in his career. You've got Miz John Cena main event, which is absolute claptrap. And that's that's the only word I can I can give it. It's claptrap. So yeah, for me, not a very good show at all. Those three opening matches, I thought we were on to something surprisingly decent. I thought maybe this is better than I had previously thought. It's not. It is one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. And I think that main event really topped it off for me. I was like, it's poor. They botch a load of stuff. People aren't interested in it. Like the, I said last week or two weeks ago, John Cena guarantees you fan investment. On this night, that was proven wrong. They then end it with a double count out and then a really lame restart with Rock basically handing them Miz the victory. And then we end it with the Rock the one in the ring at the end who's not even had a match basically the whole show has been about the rock and the rock has had his least impressive performance of his entire career in on this night worse than when he was rocky Maivia, the third generation superstar so yeah for me that that says it all four out of ten randy orton versus cm punk my match of the night and the guy with the uh, sign for chris eubanks youth hosteling uh is definitely my <laughs> mvp matt why didn't you go next it's really funny that you mentioned the you know you sort of take on the show up until the uh the the michael cole and jerry lawler match because believe me as annoyed as i as i was watching this show up until that point for me we were leading dangerously close to wrestlemania one territory where i was literally gonna think fuck this show it's zero up until that point i was on a dead zero and i wasn't gonna have my mind changed and then, obviously, like I said, we had the Taker Triple H match, which I did love. And I personally really enjoyed the stuff with The Rock. So, but overall, I, I can't ignore the fact that the show was not of good quality and definitely is one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. So, on balance, I'm going to go with a three. 
Definitely, I feel I was torn between a three and a four. I'm definitely feeling we're going with a three. Like I said, my match of the night already given, that's Taker and Triple H. My MVP of the night is the jabroni beating, tie eating, all round, smack it down, people's champ, The Rock. Yeah, but a bitch. This is literally the least deserving he's ever been of being the MVP of a WrestleMania, including the ones he's not even on. <laughs> Honestly, listener, you haven't lived until you've seen the disgust on Tinky's face when Matt started I, saying that. I'm just so disappointed in The Rock. That's that's what the problem is. I'm just really disappointed in him because I think it's he's just terrible. He saved. Not only did he save my overall interest in the show, but he saved my interest in wrestling. The Rock is the true MVP of the show. Well deserved, great one, Tom. <sighs> um, <laughs> I went into the show thinking it was going to be really crap. And I left the show thinking that was really crap. <laughs> so in some ways, I'm pleased that I was right. <laughs> so really, my MVP should be me. But it's not going to be me. Because ultimately, I still sat through just nearly four hours of something that I knew I would hate. So I can't give myself MVP. Because by virtue of doing that, I'm actually a loser. Um, so, so what I'm going to give this is a one Ooh. because I think it's that bad. The fact that I've got a match of the night by default should say, and it's a match with Randy fucking Orton in it is, is, for me. is, is something that, you know, really goes to show how poor it is. The only thing that stops it being a zero, to be honest, is probably the interaction between The Rock and Steve Austin and the fact that Snooki's in it. If it didn't have those bits, I don't know what the fuck I'd be doing with myself. So two non-wrestlers, <laughs> the thing that makes this wrestling show good. And and to be fair, retrospectively, the old Chris Eubank, youth hustling with Chris Eubank sign, even though I didn't see it, it's brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> fuck off, WrestleMania 27. You were shit. I knew you were going to be shit. You were always be shit. You must shit. Your dad's shit. <laughs> Your whole family shit. Fuck off. Get out of my face. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. You're, you're, you're boring, fat, ugly, stupid, get out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know exactly that reference as well. <laughs> so we've done, this is episode 111 today. <gasps> this WrestleMania didn't even make the top 100 shows we've covered. <laughs> um, it's 101 overall. It is third bottom, though, in our WrestleManias. Only WrestleMania 2 and 11 fall below 27. So that kind of puts into context. And I kind of feel like that as you get further forward in time, you need a bigger rating to redeem yourself, if that makes any sense, because time yeah. is kinder to the more recent stuff. So I think this is the worst WrestleMania of all time based on that, because it's literally only above those two, and they are much earlier than WrestleMania 27. Yeah, and we're, and we're, we're going to go, we would, like, for, for example, don't think i was was i on wrestlemania 11 don't know i definitely went on two but if i was to score them they'd probably score higher than they realistically should as well because of nostalgia purposes as well and i find that with like these these there's definitely going to be i think some recency bias especially definitely from me when it comes to doing these later wrestlemanias because i don't have that warmth and attachment to it that i do with older wrestlemanias and the other thing as well, I kind of touched on this earlier, but so many of these wrestlers are still knocking about as well. They have been around for ages. We're about to get into a stretch of WrestleManias where like I'd say probably about half of the talent from this era are still around today. And yeah. there's going to be like, it's going to get to the stage where you're like, oh, okay. And I think as well, I think, 
And this isn't we've kind of we we do give Michael Cole his flowers on the show, but the fact that he's going to be have called every WrestleMania from now through to the, the longest run of a commentator on WrestleManias as well. This doesn't mean you're going to get that kind of variety anymore. Obviously, like the co-commentators and stuff like that will be different largely, but you're still always going to have that thing. Whereas at least when when you go back to the old ones, you'll have like Gorilla, you'll have you know Vince, you'll have Jr. You know they they their runs weren't as long as Michael Cole's has been, which might be why Michael Cole is perhaps the goat. <laughs> but um yeah, there's there's not going to be as much variety going forward. I don't think. I'd say more perhaps a more kind of indicative thing about this period is the previous three WrestleManias have had six different wrestlers in them. So there's nobody has repeated in so 25, 26 and 27 of six different wrestlers. Nobody's repeated in those main events. And that what that says to me is that there's just not the there is not the kind of conviction behind one performer at this point to be in that main event right now roman reigns is on a streak of i don't know how many wrestlemania main events obviously early days it was hulk hogan even when we get into the mid 90s when vince is scrambling around to find the next big thing brett's in about three main events within four years Shawn michaels is in about three or four main events within three years then you get austin the rocks runs you know there's there's consistency there because there's a, an understanding of where the company is where it's going who they want to highlight who they believe are the top stars at this point they're they're i don't think they know i, don't, I think they're trying to be ev- all things to everybody and that's the problem they're trying to be pg but then they're trying to have the rock come out and do the stuff the rock has always done which has never been pg it doesn't no. really work they they want triple h and undertaker to do a really intense match but they can't bleed they can't do the things that make it hardcore or look violent so it just it just doesn't work quite as well so they're kind of like like in this, as I say, like in this place where they're trying to be all things to all people and for me, not really having much of an identity about it. And that's, you know, that's that's the abiding thing. It's also the era where they literally rely on all the part timers now for, for a long, long time. Yeah. Undertaker coming back every year, Triple H coming back every year, Brock Lesnar coming in three or four times a year. We are at that that point now where they, and we it's a long stretch it's a long stretch where they are kind of the focus of focus of wrestlemania and i just i think all that stuff is quite indicative of perhaps some of the issues of the time but we've got a lot to watch there's still plenty of wrestlemanias and for all i know we're going to see a lot better wrestlemanias to come you know certainly i can't remember a hell of a lot about wrestlemania 28 or 29 no. other than their main events and the cm punk undertaker match at wrestlemania 29 anyway that has been this week's uh, Random Wrestling Review. WrestleMania series continues in two weeks' time with WrestleMania 28. But for now, Tom, thank you for your contributions. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, thank you for joining us as well. Been a, been a pleasure, as always. Uh, this has been the Random Wrestling Review. We're back, as I said, in two weeks. Until then, take care. Take care.